This is Steve Goodrich, known on the trail as Bird Shooter, and this is N2 Backpacking, a podcast for both hikers and backpackers. Hello hikers, Bird Shooter here. And tonight the topic of conversation is the legendary Machu Picchu. Located in Peru and sitting at close to 8,000 feet, this ancient Inca city is a major tourist destination in South America. And I recently had two friends hike for four days on the Inca Trail to get there. In the show we uh, talk about the history of the ancient city, the logistics of how to get to the trailhead, what it costs to hike the Inca Trail, and what you will experience during your backcountry travels, including information about the guide services, campsites, food, and the general vibe along the route. This was the uh, first multi-day backpacking trip for both Cardiac and Drone Boy, who I interviewed for the podcast, so it's within reach of uh, most anyone that listens to the show, and their uh, enthusiasm and excitement for Peru is clearly evident in the interview. So uh, listen in, get inspired, and start planning for a summer vacation. Tamashu Pishu. Here's episode 48. All right, ladies and gentlemen, this is Bird Shooter, and tonight we're coming to you live from the um, cardiac basement, <laughs> which is, uh, uh, I don't know if you can, well, on YouTube, I guess you could see it, which we are actually, uh, we're, we're doing, we're doing a YouTube video right yeah. now. Wow. But uh, on First radio, time. you obviously can't, so... Uh, but I'm here with uh, two friends of Bird Shooter, Cardiac to my right, who you can't see on camera, <laughs> by design. And uh, Requested. What is camera. Gary's trail name? Drone Boy. Drone Boy, okay. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. If you want to get started, that we can actually go into trail names. That would maybe... Yeah, I didn't us. know that I had a trail name. Well, yeah, you did. I remember now where you got it. Yeah. Now, well, do you, should, we, should we start with Drone Boy on how he got his uh, yeah, trail absolutely. name? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, what, what do you want to know? Well, tell us about your uh, your hike where we dubbed you Drone Boy. Oh, yeah. So we, it wasn't an accident that you no, got that No, there were five of us. It was me, you, George, Steve, and Scott. Yeah, we were going to go up to the Electric Pass, but none of us made it to the Electric Pass. That girl that we met made it to Electric Pass, but that was the first year I had gotten a drone specifically for that trip. The Phantom 4. Yeah, so I got the Phantom 4. And before we talk about the drone, though... It became electric and electric pass that day. Like, literally, that thunderstorm rolled it in. It was crazy. a good thing we weren't up there. Yeah. No, we saw it from down below. Yeah, right. I think we got some pictures and stuff. But and we got still, soaked on the hike out. Well, and still, to this day, that's one of the greatest drone videos that I have, even though I was still a novice. And you having a drone now, you know. Yeah. You just feel uncomfortable flying it and stuff. But it, what was great was it... Um, we, we just, it was nice, relaxed, and, and we just went up there. Um, I flew the drone, I think, two or three times over that time. Um, got it about a half mile away, maybe a mile away. Wasn't very far. You know, it didn't look very far in that place, but if I went a mile in Atlanta away, it would be far. So that was the Phantom Four that I got, and then um, that trip, yeah. You had some phenomenal footage. Phenomenal. It actually made the video. We had a lot of good... Yeah, photography from that trip, both still and short videos, but the, the drone footage made the video. Well, and, and that, it, that's one thing that you learn on a lot of these trips is if you 
if you just introduce yourself to a drone, and now, you know, that was three years ago, four years ago, I think it was 2015, so maybe it was just two years ago. But if you look at your pictures and you look at some video that you do, the drone just takes it to a new level. And, you know, on this Machu Picchu trip that we're going to talk about, I couldn't take my drone. And you tried. tried to, yeah, and yes, and I'll, I can talk about that too, but... Um, Essentially, when I'm going over all the video and the, and the photos and stuff like that, you realize that the drones just take it to another level when you're looking at um, where you are in, in the wilderness or out on the trail. Um, you can't get an angle like that. Do you, do you have anything to say to the backcountry listeners that may oppose drones? <laughs> I, honestly, what you find is there's two, two peoples in it and it's right down the middle. There are the people who want the solitude and don't want drones. And then there's the people who will come up to you and ask you about, what's that? Can I see? Can you see this? And they're excited about it. And then when you see the actual pictures and stuff, they, they love drones. But there are those people, and I'm sure there's the backcountry um, you know, folks who F you. you know. $5,000 fine in a national park to fly a drone. Yes. And so there are definitely yeah. parts of the wilderness where they are. Yeah, if, if you're going to fly a drone out there, you got to know the rules. And, and the but I also understand, you know, you, when you get away, you want to get away from the city and the life, and having something buzz a little bit, even if it's a little bit, can be distracting. But it's, it's again, it's nice to go home and watch those videos and see yeah. that footage. But I can see it. You know, I think you're right. It's right down the middle. It's either you're, you're for or against. Nobody's like, nah, I don't care. Either right. you, you love the peace or you want the the, the well, memories and and so we you know just to give kind of maybe a numbers view we met the one woman who hated it we met four or five people who are still my friends right. who asked me to send them that footage and take footage of them yes facebook friends yes making facebook friends in the wilderness it's, with a drone it's all about social go figure thought, yeah i mean seriously when you did the at years ago who would have thought that social that there would be a facebook and that you could make friends yeah that was that definitely a game changer so let, let's transition to you, Mr. Off-Camera here. Uh, we'll call you Cardiac. Well, and I'm called Cardiac, Steve, as you were there the, the day that you introduced me to hiking. I mean, I had hiked before. I'd hiked some mountain or local trails, but never really understood or appreciated the outdoors until we went to Deer Valley in Utah. M- mind you, it was literally right off the plane where I went and bought clothes and hiking boots. Cr- credit to you. You didn't flash a... You didn't, I, I didn't have anything to wear. We literally stopped at an outlet. I bought stuff, changed in the parking lot, and we were hiking Deer Valley. And by the time we got to the trailhead, I think we were looking for defibrillators, and thus my name, Cardiac. <laughs> That's Unfortunately, getting the 11,000 plus feet and coming you know, right off a plane from Dallas, I think uh, pretty much introduced to me as being way out of shape, but also <laughs> seeing how enjoyable it was for you and Tony who were with us um, gave me the passion to where from then on I would try to get a hike in all my trips, whether business or personal, from Monoma, uh, Multnomah Falls in Oregon to hiking trails in Austin. And so that that's kind of what led Gary and I to, to doing Machu Picchu. As we talked about earlier, the trip from two years ago, we've gone to Colorado, we've done 14ers. And we've done all this stuff. And so this was our first foray outside of the U.S. And Machu Picchu was on the bucket list. You've come a long way since uh, when you got dubbed your trail name Cardiac. Well done. I'm still here, so that's a good point. (laughs) We're going to talk about fitness in terms of Machu Picchu, too. So um, maybe just to start, uh, to to get into the Machu Picchu uh, part of the trail or the podcast here, how about some true and false questions and see how, how knowledgeable you guys are post 
trip. You guys did your trip in the summer, right? We did it at the end of July. July 31st to August 1st. Yeah. Or July, I'm sorry, July 28th. July 28th. It was my wife's birthday that we took off. Okay. And we got back on August 1st. August 2nd we got back. This is when we got back to the U.S. Oh, right. August 2nd, but yeah. Right. Yeah. Which in Peru is there... Um... July 28th, ironically, is the day of independence for Peru. Yes. And we learned that, which was interesting. It was there July 4th. It's July 28th. So Peru Independence Day was the day of our beginning hike. And the first day of our hike, we went to this small village where we... We set up our camping outside, and we walked up, and we got to see them celebrating. And um, there was fireworks and stuff, and it was it was very interesting. It was a cool. I mean, it was a cool time to go. Well, help me with my geography. Though. They're south of the equator, right? Yeah. Yes. So their seasons are opposite ours. Yes, except Peru is very temperate in the fact that it's mountainous. So lot of the temperatures that that we were feeling like at 14,000 feet I think it got down to 28 degrees that night they said yeah I mean the first night was the best it was yeah. the most comfortable I was the second night we oh, froze to death horrible. I could not have dressed warmer and we were in what, what were those sleeping bags called I mean basically we were yeah, in mummy bags yeah there were mummy bags to keep warm the third night it was like a Viet Cong sweat box for those, <laughs> for those vets out there it was so hot it was, yeah. and I you, you know all we had were mummy bags so I mean you're just sitting in your tent basically yeah. laying on top of the mummy bag hot and very uncomfortable knowing that we had to get up at 3 a.m. in the morning that day so there wasn't much rest but we'll get to that later on um but yeah, we can start with the true and false. Well, we'll do that. Just some quick background for the the listeners. So um, Machu Picchu is in Peru. It's near the uh, town of Cusco. Is that right? Two it was like a, yeah, it was like an hour and a half, two hour drive on a bus to the start of the trail, and then once you're done with the trail, and you it was a four hour tour back between train and bus. Well, yeah, you you and Machu Picchu is actually in a town called Aguas Calentes, which is. Um, Right down at the base. Hot water? I think so. I don't know. I'm Hot working on my Spanish. Or something. It's, yeah, it's yeah. something like that. But it, it's, it's, it's a town that, that after learning about it and, and things of that sort, it's a town that has exploded, but only in terms of population. They have zero infrastructure whatsoever at the town. So, and is that because of tourism that yeah, it's exploded? Tourism yeah. in Peru is is what the lifeblood of Peru is. So you you end at this place, and then you've got to take a train or a bus back to Cusco. And so what Scott said was the four hour ride. It was two yeah. hours on a train and two hours on yeah, you know, like a van that we had to drive back. And this was the last day, no shower for it four was days, tough. exhausted. <laughs> it was um, the tough. train was awesome. Uh, we had a nice glass train. They 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 served us. It was a, a fashion snack. show on the train. Yeah, they had a fashion show. <laughs> we got good views. But you're you haven't slept. And the night the last night of the trip, and as I'm jumping ahead, you you only get a couple hours. Yeah. Because they you want to get to the gate. To see the sunrise. Oh, okay. At they can the see the sunrise. Yeah. Save all that because we're going to talk specifically about the trail. Okay. Uh, before we do true or false, just a couple things quickly for the listeners. So, Machu Picchu was apparently built some somewhere between 1450 and uh, 1460. This is what my research tells me. Honestly, unless you want to challenge that. Well, they don't know, and this is what you learn when you do research on Machu Picchu is everything about Machu Picchu is a guess. It's an educated guess by people who are just guessing about things. Okay. Because what happened was when the Spanish came in, they, they destroyed everything. And the Incas didn't have a written language, so there was no, nothing recorded. Right. So um, Hiram Bickham, which is the guy that, that discovered it a few hundred years ago, he basically well, it unearthed the, it. Yeah, it was in the early 1900s. Yeah, somewhere around yeah, there. It was and, a few hundred. It was only, it was only a little over 100 yeah. years ago. And, and 1911. He found it. And there weren't people living there. There's nobody. The the whole thing was wiped out. So 
the Incas have, have very little do- documented about what this was. The, the story is when the Spaniards came, they tried to take horses up the Inca Trail, and the horses died, obviously, but the, then mosquitoes got horses and... and what was it? Smallpox. Basically called smallpox. And wait, wait. Sit- you guys got to stop because these are all my true and false questions. Sorry. Oh, fire right. I'm sorry. All right, you ready? Right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, We're going to go, go straight into true and false. Yeah. You're killing me here. Yeah. <laughs> jumping the gun. You're the one who jumped the gun. We were ready for true and false 10 minutes ago. All right, here we go. True or false? Machu Picchu is known as the lost city of the Incas. Oh, true. True. False! <laughs> what? Yes, it's actually Vilcabamba is the true lost city of the Incas. Did we see that? That's know. Are you sure you guys have even been I, Machu Picchu? I, I would like to audit your questions. <laughs> are you ready they have for, pictures of proof. Are you, re- are you ready for another? Uh, yeah, fire away. i got to tell you, I've been playing HQ Live on the iPhone. That's a tough trivia question. I got eight in a row last time. Eight's good. I heard five is your highest. Five is my highest, yeah. So your true false questions, we're probably not going to do that good based on the beginning of this. Well, you're 0 for 1. Fire away. <laughs> Machu Picchu was inhabited for around 80 years, but was abandoned when most of its inhabitants died from smallpox induced by travelers that came in contact with Spanish conquistadors and other parts of the empire. I'm going to say true, but really the horses being killed and and that stuff, so I think it's true. I would say it's true, but it's a guess. So I would then say false. So I might be wrong. My man nailed that one. It's false because it's... Plausible, but it's not been proven. Right. I think everything is that way. Is the world flat? That I know there's some arguments out there. People are saying it's flat. Isn't that now like the new trending thing? Uh, so there's some arguments that way too. But all right. Wow. So, so uh, Gary's one for one. I'm going to give you one over for two. two. Holy one for crap. Two. One for two. All right. The next question. True That's or false? That guy went true and false on that. And you're giving him credit. <laughs> I'm going to say true and false, Steve, to your next question. I would like to get back in the game. <laughs> The Spanish plundered Machu Picchu for gold. Oh, true or true. false? True. I don't think so. I think it was for land. I'm going to go false. <laughs> I don't think it was gold. Cardiacs, correct. False. What? The yeah. Spanish never actually found Machu Picchu. They never right. actually right. found it. Okay. Right. You're right. You're right. Wow. So now we got we got a tie right now. Right? That high you guys are both yeah. one and two. Is that right? I don't know. Right? Okay. Yeah, we're three now. Um, I think that's his name. Yeah, well, it's Hiram Bingham. Yeah. Right. The next question. Evidence suggests that the Germans were the first people outside of South America to explore Machu Picchu. I believe that's false. Yeah, the false. Germans drink too much beer to have made it there. <laughs> I'm going to say false. <laughs> Incorrect again. Like, okay, you guys, what, are you yeah, sure you've actually been what there? Ger- I can tell you this. They don't have pretzels. There's no way the Germans were there. <laughs> what German showed yeah. up there is what I want to know. It's all that's unbelievable. They actually think that two different Germans... Uh, were there before your boy Hiram that went there well, in 1911. I, if you just said Spaniards or English or French, the Germans? I mean, seriously, I, I don't Dude, know. The Germans are everywhere. They're the, like the world travelers. Okay, okay, Adolf. I don't think that's necessarily <laughs> the case. I, what I'm trying to focus on is your question, and I'm gonna. I'm definitely asking for an audience. I gotta tell you, I, I, these are pretty hard. Uh, all right, I, I, you guys are one for four. I just oh, want to tell you that right now. Fire, is there any I, I'm starting to doubt that you actually went to Machu. Peru is four letters. I know <laughs> true or false when you spell it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> I, I just want to give you that Hiram Bingham, who you had referenced earlier, yes. um, was the 
person that actually gets credit for really... In 1911. I don't know if you want to give him credit for this, but he's the one that brought international attention to Machu Picchu. Yes. Right. He was the he guy that there was, was led there by that that local there. Yes. Well, He found two families in, in, in Machu Picchu when we were there. Apparently, a local farmer led him to the site. He was looking for the old Inca capital. Yes. And uh, he actually gets credit for... The, and he's an American. Again, I don't know. American, you, right? I don't want. To, I don't know if you want to give him credit for it because, uh, you know, now it's overrun with tourists. But he's the guy that gets credit for making it an international site. Right. Right. But, they, but you know, they don't allow. They obviously don't allow drones or anything. There isn't. And, and I don't think there's any airplanes or helicopters. There's nothing that goes over it, which was fascinating because the way they built Machu Picchu is it's all based on astrology. A lot of it. And so they don't allow any airplanes. Like when we were there, I kept looking up. There's no airplane. You would think just an airplane over the distance would go. But that's why they never found it. You think about all these years and you think about the technology. We, I mean, it took even in the early 1900s to discover Machu Picchu. They didn't ha- you would think we'd be able to fly planes over it or they would have unbelievable video of it. Well, and supposedly the trails got all overgrown that went there. And, well, and they're know, still fine. There's only 30% there. of the trails visible now. Right. So think about it. 70% is just been, needs Taken to still be uncovered. Well, you've teed me up perfectly for my next question, and that is, in the late 1900s, the Peruvian government granted concessions to allow construction of a cable car and luxury hotel, including a tourist complex with boutiques and restaurants and a bridge to the site. True or false? False. That's true, because they, I mean, think about it, they they definitely have this stuff there. Oh, cardiac! It's that one, right? To Machu Picchu? They, they actually approved it. They did approve it. But and, they haven't built it. Well, there was a huge backlash. Well, uh, remember, not, they, they have the luxury hotel down where we went down. When we took the bus down to Machu Picchu City. Is there a luxury not, I'm sorry, not Machu Picchu City. No, in Machu Picchu, there's a luxury hotel. Jacqueline was going to get us. It was 1200 bucks a night. Uh, that's right. Right there, they had the hotel at, right outside Machu Picchu. And right when we picked up the bus... I was like, there's, there's a, a hotel, hotel there? That's oh, a hotel. that's right. Yeah. Dude, that was luxury? Yeah, it's, it's $1,200 a night. Oh, my Cause God. Because Jacqueline was like, if I stay there, I'll go. Like, they could bus up. To your point, Steve, and I believe you'll ask this question later on, it is pretty incredible as you're in the jungles of Peru doing this hike for four days, and when you come out, people are starting to walk towards you. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Yeah, they're walking up. We're definitely going to talk about uh, that. That, that, that. Save that, because that's on my and, list. And by the way, by the way uh, they're, yeah. they're walking up to what's called, I think, the gates. What was the Sun gate. Sun gate. So the, the bus goes right to Machu Picchu. Let's just go ahead and get it out now because we're talking about it. But that was one of my list. I mean, that had to be completely deflating because you guys spent four days that on the was, trail, right? I, I was I, okay. So here's my experience, and then I we walked to the Sun Gate. I had researched this thing. That was the place that I wanted to go see the sunrise. It was great. They only allow 500 people per day on the Inca Trail, so there were 500 people up there. Um, kind of doing time lapses and pictures, and and, and we were all dirty. And not all, not all at the same time. Some started at three and right. one and four in the morning. So you're as you're hiking, everybody's hiking at different times. So yeah, I would say there's probably a hundred people right. up there when we were there. Yeah, watching the sunrise. And stuff. Yeah. Then the, the buses second, roll in. Well, no, no the that's how we're close. We leave, that's, it's about a mile and a half hike. Yeah. So we, so the closest you can get is a mile away. So there's no, no way no, the, the bus. Sun, this the buses the go. Yeah, the buses go to Machu Picchu. The Sun Gate is up on this mountain overlooking oh, Machu Picchu. I got you. So right. the visual is awesome. Ah, I see. That's where everybody gets their picture. That's where you the get the gate. picture yeah, of you. And that's the one where you got your arm spread. Well, no, no, no. That's down. That's down in Machu Picchu. Yeah, we were in Machu. Picchu. They, there's pictures of us above where you look down. And you're like, oh, that's a little Machu Picchu because you're above it on this mountain. Okay. And it's a mile and a half hike, which was fascinating because number one, it was hot that day. Right. As Gary and I will talk later when we talk about the tour that we had to take of Machu Picchu, but 
people are walking up and they're just, they don't even have any camelbacks, no water. They it just was, took a bus up and figured out walk a mile and a half up. But it's pretty steep, mile and a half up and back. So that's three miles round trip and they didn't even have water. So, so what you see, what you see as you're walking down from the Sun Gate to Machu Picchu in the mile and a half is the reason that Disney outlawed selfie sticks. Because it's basically everybody in their outlet gear wear that they bought at the local outlet mall with a se- their phone on a selfie stick with a Bluetooth remote taking selfies of Machu Picchu. And here we are walking down filthy. All right. And and we haven't had a shower. We haven't had a bath. Wearing the same. Well, except we for Gary. Gary. Gary's the only one out of everyone that changed every day. The rest of us are wearing exactly what we started in. I did, I did have an apricot. We had Merlin, I had Merlin or wow. Merino stuff. Yeah, it was, it was it, you know, it, it was definitely deflating to walk in there and, and then just be crowded by these people with selfie sticks. Now, you know, I had selfie sticks too, but I kind of felt like, okay, I'm getting gypped of my experience because I just did four days of grueling hiking, and, and it was worth it. And these people are taking a bus there. And they're taking a bus. And I'll so, tell you, I did not research any of that. So the only thing I researched on was, A, was I going to survive the hike, right? <laughs> what does that take? What's training like? What's eating like? All of the training that went into, like, the hike I was excited about because what we saw that those people who took the train to Machu Picchu didn't see were other Inca sites. Yeah, yeah, the other, real the real Peru. Yeah, right? you're, real, you're in the jungles. You're seeing the forts. You're going to other places. Now, Machu Picchu is the creme de la creme. It's the Taj Mahal. But you get to see other Inca sites along the way and, and the memories you have with the people you're with. It just they're, they're just something special about that. And to Gary, it does cheapen a little bit when you get there and it's like you just walked into a Walmart at the end with yeah. all these people walking around. Yeah, well, yeah, I had that experience. Uh, have you guys ever been to Mount Washington in New Hampshire? No. Same thing. Like, you know, it's taken me days to get yeah. to Mount Washington. You finally come to the top of the peak and there's these people coming up in a car, right? Yeah. Well, that's like Pikes Peak, yeah. right? Like, so yeah, Pikes Peak yeah. and right. you can drive up. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and Pikes Peak something that Gary and I tried to hike this year, but unfortunately due to weather, we couldn't do it. But... It, um, but yeah, you kind of are like, wow, oh, I mean, these yeah. guys are all laying on their car and we've just busted our butt going up the hill. <laughs> well, yeah, so we're going to talk a lot more about the trail in a second. Let me give you the final true-false question. Okay. <laughs> Probably the most interesting. True-false. Both. <laughs> that could be true. <laughs> Nude tourism is a recent trend. To the dismay of Peruvian officials, by the way, in several incidents, tourists were detained for posing for nude pictures or streaking across oh, the site. Oh, nude stuff. I thought you were saying nude. Uh, nude? I wouldn't know, but but Scott went nude. Yeah, but <laughs> did, I, I mean, I thought it was a I thought it was a special experience, but it sounds like other people have had that experience. So I uh, I'm gonna assume it's true because it's so wild out there. I don't know. I'm gonna say it's true. But the one thing that was happening when Gary and I were there was they were protesting, and they were protesting yeah. an airport being built near Machu Picchu, and they weren't protesting necessarily for the airport. They were protesting, I think, for the money and the jobs and stuff that it would bring. So they were actually in favor of it. No, well, they it was they they sort of wanted to unionize and they wanted they 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 wanted to be against it unless they got jobs and they got something out of it because I think it was going to be a private airport and stuff. So, but there was huge protests, and that was in Cusco that we saw that. But, I, I I did read that they banned helicopters, so you guys didn't see helicopters. No, so I didn't even see airplanes. Okay. Gotcha. And obviously, no drones. Yeah, Gary flew his drone in Cusco, and uh, it was nerve wracking. I think because Cus- we, well, Cus- yeah. I shouldn't have been as nervous as I was finding out later and stuff, but um, Cusco and, and Lima, I flew the drone. Well, and that you brought it through, and we had to go through Bogota, Colombia on the way there. Yeah. So you, you have this drone on you, and now you're going through all these countries. <laughs> so it was that may or may not be involved I mean, in the drone reading all the fines and all the stuff, and then he was going to leave to the airport early to fight I, I can extradition. talk about that yeah, later, but, but no, I, 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 you know, flying the drone and, and stuff like that was definitely... 
Um, interesting, but nothing that that didn't necessarily need. To well, if you want to talk about it now, it's perfect before we go into the specifics on the trail. Well, and 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 Peru is very drone friendly. Um, even the United States probably has more rules than Peru. Okay. Um, and, and Interesting. My, yeah. My, you want to start from the beginning of the trip, like your, your research on how you looked into whether you should bring in the drone. I mean, the drone was a last minute decision to whether yeah, you should bring so, it or so, not. Well, there were two. So the Spark, the DJ, DJ has two pretty mobile drones, the, um, the Mavic and the Spark. The Spark came out in July of, of this year. And so I needed to get the Spark before I left for Peru. So that was the first thing. It came in a week before. So then I decided, okay, am I going to take the Spark? Because I, I didn't think I could take the Mavic because it added too much weight to my pack. So then I said, okay, I'll bring the Spark. Then I had to research, okay, what, what, what do you do? Well, the Spark, it, it's like 20, um, 20% import tax on a drone um, when you come into Peru. And in that case, um, I was going to tell him that it was like 200 bucks because it looks like a toy. So when I get to the airport, um, they, they wave, they ask you if you have anything to declare. And obviously when you have a drone, you have to declare it. So I go to this separate line from everybody else. The guy looks at the spark and he goes, it's a toy. Don't worry about it. So okay. then no, no like, body cavity search. No. And, and then he's like, just waves me on and I'm like, oh crap. I was supposed to pay 20% import tax, so is somebody going to freak out when I don't pay that tax and I don't show up, um, and I'm flying this drone and I don't have the papers? So when I was in Cusco, I was very nervous. We saw one of the protests in the, the Plaza de Amas. Um, I think that's what it's called. It's the central square of the town. And I was flying my drone just outside of that. And I see these police officers, like, you know, kind of walk by, and I'm sitting there with a controller in my hand, and I'm like, oh, crap. <laughs> so I brought it down, and, and I didn't fly it again, and, and I did don't like flying it over people in, in general, but I should have flown it more in there, because, again, Peru's a very drone-friendly city, and I probably would have made friends and been okay. Um, then when I was in Lima, I, I flew it off the, the coast, and, and it was fairly windy and stuff. Again, the Spark is a very small drone, so it's very hard to find a place that, to fly it where you can get some cool shots but when it's windy. So I flew it those two times. Um, when I was bringing it on the trail, I asked our trail group, our tri uh, trip leader, um, William, should I bring the drone? It was the night before we were going to leave. They were picking us up at 5 in the morning the next morning. And I said, can I bring my drone on the trail? And he goes, no. And I said, I really want to bring my drone on the trail. Now, do you need a permit for that, technically? Well, or, uh... and here's the thing. So you're not allowed to fly over... Machu Picchu, right? Any uh, historical site. Okay. Any historical now, site. Now, with the trail... Uh... And that's... So they, they checked with the um, the government. And, and they consider the trail They part consider of the, the entire trail to be part of a historical site. Okay. And so it wasn't a risk that I was going to take where if I brought my drone and I flew and I get caught, it wouldn't just affect me. The entire group would be kicked off the trail potentially. And then the actual group that does the, the tour would actually lose their license to be able to bring people on the tour too. So the penalties are so, severe. Yeah, so yeah. William and those guys, everybody in the group said... Please don't bring your drone. So I just left it at the hotel and um, and had it at that. But again, going back and looking at pictures and things, 
it kind of sucks that you didn't you have can't that footage. Have that. Yeah. yeah. So before we talk specifically about the uh, the hike to Machu Picchu, just just a couple uh, first impressions. Going to come out swinging with some big questions here. Um, the thing that made you laugh hardest on the trip. I feel like there was something. There was a story. A lot of times, you know, we'd sit around the, the dinner. I, I will tell you, I it was probably inappropriate jokes that we did, but one night we were sitting around the table and all that stuff, and, and I was joking about to William about his relationships with different hikers over the years and stuff. You know, they, they, you know, he would tell us unbelievable stories. It was great. Now, he was your guide. Yeah, our guide. And by the way, I think one of the questions, if you haven't asked, you will, and that's everybody has to have a guide. Yeah, that it was on very, my list. So there's two, there's three checkpoints that I remember going to. Right off the bat on the on the thing, we have to go and show them our passport and do all that. Then we hike up, we sleep. The second day, right before we go up this mountain, 4,000 feet straight up, which was by far the toughest day and in one in which I was far in the back. But it absolutely was the greatest feeling once we got to the top. We had to check in right before we go. And they basically, they time you to make sure they know. Because as Gary said, there's 500 people on the trail. So it's their way, I think, of checking it. And then the last time we checked in was the morning of the last day at like 2 or 3.30, 2.30 or 3 in the morning, right before we go to the gates. Well, that's interesting. I had no idea that you were getting up in the, basically the middle of the night. To, well, uh, every day we got up We got up around 6 in the morning. We go to bed about 8 at night and get up at 6 in the morning. And one of the things, and Gary and I were just talking about it, that they give us is coca tea. Now, when we flew into Peru, we flew in and we were exhausted. It was overnight. We got to our hotel and they offered us this coca tea. Do you want some hot tea? They're like, it'll make you feel really good. So we, isn't, isn't that what they make cocaine out of? It is. It's 5% cocaine. <laughs> we believe what? all of us yes. would have failed drug tests coming back because of this. Garrett, was it Gary or was it was you or Matt that bought a bag of it? I bought a bag of it. Yeah, and, and then he found it, out. And you put it in your lid. But then you found out you couldn't bring it back. So we gave you it to somebody. It, yeah. it was a bag. They were leaves. They were just leaves. They were coca leaves. So you're thinking, you know, it's like tobacco. You know, but it was, it really like cleared you up. It made you, and they, they do it. They said, don't drink it at night because it would wire you up. So every morning, they would knock on our tents when they would wake us up. And they'd give us this hot water in a little bucket to wash our face, brush our teeth, which later on we saw them washing their feet in, <laughs> uh, which is not a really good thing. There, there is, that was, that was yeah. you, you're serious? You're not dead serious. Oh, oh. Dead serious. Dead serious. Yeah. So, Wait, that's after you used it to brush your teeth? Yeah. Or? Yeah. Okay. yeah. So, so they, I mean, it was... Yeah. As most of your listeners understand, <laughs> you guys are outdoors. Yeah. You, you're, you're talking about two really white-collar germaphobes that yeah. were on this hike. Watching our tour guide the first day pee dead into a creek in which some people take to use filtered water. <laughs> I mean, he's literally just peeing right into the creek, which uh, we didn't need to see. And then two, they give us those buckets of warm water. And then watching them that night fill it up and wash their feet into it. And then that next morning, knowing that those are what we brushed our teeth in was not a good feeling. But then the warm coca tea was great. Every morning you'd wake up, you'd take that, it would definitely fire you up. There was no coffee, so it was the hot coca tea that got us going. So it was a good feeling. Well, we had it at the hotel. And, and I tell you what made me laugh the hardest, and you left this out, but, but it, it's kind of a theme of the trail, was um, the first day you hike from the start of the Inca Trail, you, you go over this little walk bridge, and then you're hiking to lunch. And it's about... I think 12 or 1 o'clock in the afternoon by the time you get lunch. It's a little bit later and because um, you've been going since 5 in the morning. 5 in the morning from when they picked us up and drove us. Right. We didn't really start hiking until about 10. Right. And it's about an 8 mile, a little over an 8 mile hike the first day. So right. at, four, at the 4 mile mark, you, you go and get lunch. And you get lunch and, and, and they set it up and, and it's very nice. 
And I remember one of the things that, that sticks out in my memory is we're sitting there eating, and, and, and it's a very gourmet meal. They, they make you handmade guacamole. Um, there's some chicken and rice that they have, some, some, some nice vegetables. Scotty eats none of it. But I remember we, we get in the tent. <laughs> I gotta, that's yeah. on my list to ask you about, by the way. <laughs> but he eats none of it. And, and, and what was interesting was we're sitting in the tent, and I remember just, God, this is great. And, and Scott walks in with just this like white, pale face and just the look of horror on his face. And, and, and I remember saying to Matt, well, what the hell's wrong with Scott? And then Scott goes, do not go to the bathroom down there. And I said, what, what, is, the, what is that? He goes, it looks like a murder happened in it the bathroom. It was unbelievable. I, yeah. and, and by the way, the best part was, so you have this unpaid toilet where you, you don't have to pay to get in. It's it was a run free by out, the It was a free outhouse. Right. Run by the government. That's where... Like you'd have in the AT. Wouldn't that's, that's, yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. That's where it looks like a Colombian-style massacre I happened. I mean, there is... I don't know if I can swear on this. Yeah, absolutely. There, well, there's yeah. feces everywhere. Like a monkey had gone yes. and taken piles of feces and thrown it, it and spread it on the wall. It looked to like the point where you walk in, and I'm like, I'm like, I, and I'll be, I'll be frank on this. Yeah. I did not go number two the entire trip. Yeah. I know that yeah. may be too much information for well, your listeners, but I didn't really eat anything except garlic bread, so that helped. And what was, what, what was interesting about that first day is I remember eating this gourmet meal and knowing that the impending doom was going to need to happen. And Scott telling me that there was a murder happening. In it was this so place. bad. I, so I remember. I mean, how bad did it I remember, smell? Well, I remember getting up. It was and, just on the roof, on the walls. Like I yeah. walked in, and I'm like, I, I don't know. I'm just like, do I just pee? I, get me out of here. And there was another place you could pay. Right. It and was. Then, well, it was like a setup. And right. That was, that like, was, let's just destroy this. We'll just throw shit everywhere. That was the thing was, and the appetizer was guacamole. So uh, I ate the guacamole, and then I knew when he said this has happened. I said, there's about 300 other people eating lunch, and this place is only going to get worse. So let me get up and create that impending doom right now. So I get up, and I go, and I find this pay toilet. It's like 10 solace or something. It was like $1 American. No, maybe 30 cents American. Yeah, and a woman hands you three strips of toilet paper. Like three I don't squares. know anybody who can do the, like the three number squares. two with three squares of I, toilet I mean, paper. Seriously, yeah. that's it. And that's She's like, it. peels it off. And what's funny is I remember talking to Matt. And and Matt goes. I said I'm going now Matt just to get it out of the, the way. Yeah, those, yeah. Are the, those are the four of us. So Matt says I'm I'm gonna wait until we have our thing and then I'll go. So I go to the pay toilet, put it in, and, and give the lady the money, and, and and I get everything done. Come back, we get done with the meal, and I remember Matt gets up and he goes, "Time to go read the paper or something." And then he he takes his stroll. He comes back with the same white face that Scott had. He saved 30 cents. I said, what the hell happened? And he oh, goes, he didn't pay? Well, no. and, he, and, and he goes, the woman took her lunch like an hour ago and nobody can find her. So it's locked up. So the only option was the murder toilet. Oh, yeah. They had locked so up when they pay because she had taken a break. And by the way, oh. when I say toilet, the pay had a toilet. How clean was the pay? It was pretty clean. I, I would say it was like a restroom in the U.S., which is... Yeah, yeah, you know, okay. like a guest Do- doable, kind of you know. Right. Yeah, okay. The 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 most of the free toilets are not even toilets. They're just a hole in the ground kind of thing. Yeah. So what we found out William told us on the second day there was the last 
a pay toilet and that's what you want to use. Yeah. Because when we got to like day three and, and just the toilet situation. There is was, a picture and unfortunately your listeners can't look, but that is a clean bathroom. Yes. Oh. But there is, you're not, I mean, that's me standing over it and you pee in that hole. For the people dropping a deuce here, yeah. that, that is the hole. So <laughs> you wait, should, wait, that look should at be the garbage. Cover photo. Yeah. They don't allow you to flush any toilet, so you wipe your ass and throw in the garbage can. <laughs> so yeah. you're basically peeing next to a garbage can full of Feces, for and all that matter. Even, what's even worse is no ninety nine no percent of the people and guys and girls, you just crouch over yeah. this thing and drop a couple logs, and then I don't know how you get them in the hole. Is there a flush system there? No, no, there's no, no, no flush there's system. No water. And you would wipe with the three toilet. Yeah. If you were, I, I had already packed my own <laughs> toilet. Three squares. You would throw it in the garbage <laughs> can. You would throw it in the garbage can. Wow. This is a clean one. Now take this picture, which yeah. obviously you're, I'll try I'll to describe to your listeners, <laughs> and just cover the picture. Just explode diarrhea all yeah. over it, and that is what we're, well, that's what way, we're talking about. Even if you, even there was crap on ceilings that's and on walls and stuff. I don't know how you do that, but I can't. I I was so excited the first day that I went with one of these things in the ground. I hit a bullseye, <laughs> and it was like one of two times that I went. Each time I hit a bullseye, but all I was thinking is. There's no way in the world coming from a Western toilet to one of these that people are hitting bullseyes. I'm showing them a picture, and this is a picture of our first night, the first night site. And oh, that is the bathroom. That's the bathroom. So real oh, quick, it was horrible. so this was I it was the prettiest site, but that is the bathroom. Yeah. Okay. So you would have to wear a headlamp, walk up a hill, <laughs> and by the way, to to kill any smell, they overloaded every <laughs> sense. Yeah. Ever. I mean, they just threw it up at potpourri. Like, yeah. you walked in there and died from toxins, <laughs> where they tried to make it smell better, but it was brutal. It was um, but it was We a, need to put that picture on the website. Yeah, it was a beautiful oh, campsite. Wow, that's, beautiful. Like, that's what we woke up to in the morning. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. we'll definitely get these pictures to you. But it was it was an amazing um, experience. But, like, Gary was talking about the first day. And the first day was the... I think the way they said it was the first day was the easiest of the hike. The second day was the hardest. The third day was the second hardest. And then the fourth day. So if you had to rate the days, the fourth day was the shortest. Um, but it was the hardest because it was no, the no, steepest? No, the okay. second day was the, the, the steepest, the hardest. Okay. It was a okay. long... The third day was the longest hike. So it wasn't as hard as it was long. The second day was longer than the first and literally 4,000 feet straight up. Now, how, many, how many miles are we talking? You're doing 4,000 feet over we, how far? We did, well, 27 miles over yeah. four days with the last day being about three miles. So you average about eight miles a day for the first three days. Okay. Um... And I think it was, and so it was like eight, more like eight, ten, and six, right? Sorry, eight, six, and ten, because it was only six miles the day that we went four thousand feet straight up. But that's a pretty good beat. Well, and I got to tell you, part of my training was doing two hundred flights of stairs a day. On and a that's what I would stairs. say is the best to do. Uh, well, yeah, I didn't have any problem going up. Um, going up, I was fine. I mean, he said I was like, you know, yeah, he was a rocket going up, and I was a rocket going down. I yeah. just talked and rolled. <laughs> I'm like yeah. you, man. yeah. Going down, I had a problem because of my knee situation. But it it, it was kind of tough going down for me. And, and the third day was rather tough because it was long. And the problem on the third day is you have no level footing whatsoever. You're on cobblestones or you're on dirt trails where you're kind of rolling ankles. And, and you're on ledges. And if you're yes. afraid of heights, yes. you're looking down. Now, if I'm not afraid of heights, but there was nothing. Like our tour guide said, make sure if you have any t- locals walk by you, you go to the mountainside. Yes. Don't go to the edge side. We yeah. don't need any accidents. I'm I was talking to one. So Matt and Virginia went with Gary and I. I was walking with Matt and I'm talking to him and he goes, look out. And I almost walked off the mm. ledge. Mm. And I, unfortunately, in all my pictures, I could not find a picture that would do justice the drop. Now, what kind of drop? Like how? what sort of feet drop? I mean, you're talking, I mean, it, it was significant. Yeah, significant feats at different times. But because of jungle buildup, 
Like you fall, you would be falling through sticker bushes, stuff, yeah, yeah. stuff that had grown on the side of the mountain. Right. But there was nothing to hold you, right? Yeah, you would yeah, just yeah. be, you know, it was a drop down. So the picture really couldn't show um, Again, what we felt. If we so, had a drone. Yeah, you could get it. Yeah. So, I mean, the 4,000 feet, are you going up most of the time with it just is, little drops? It's or? a straight up 4,000 So when you're talking feet. about coming down, it's after you climb Machu Picchu. No, so okay. you get to Machu Picchu's in a valley. So, so the first uh, day you hike, you hike to a little town, and and it's kind of nice. Um, you know, again, throughout the trail, there's no running water, there's no kind of services or anything. But, but you people, are going through small towns. But people do live here. Yeah. Okay, yeah. And right. when I'm talking small towns, I'm talking forty or fifty people live in these places, and they serve the hikers that come on this community. So, so are they the ones actually these, cooking for you, or do the guides cook no, separately? No, guide, we have porters. Okay. So we had, a, I think, nine porters, uh, nine staff, or four of us, or six of us, six of us. So it's all. not like the townspeople are feeding you and making money off of it. The guides no. are the ones that are doing no, that. No, but they, okay. they have Snickers bars and things of that sort, and there's some churches this along gives the way. You, I'm showing um, him basically the mountain height. Yeah. So we yeah. started here. So it's, it's a pretty flat, and then literally the second day is straight up, and then you go down into this valley and camp. And then the third day is all the way down to here. So, so we'll, we'll, we'll put these on Facebook for the listeners. It, it's like a bell curve, though. It's essentially uh, you peak out and then you kind of come down. Yeah. But you only come down, but it, it is literally a straight up 4,000 feet elevation difference. Yeah. Yeah, and again, my suggestion is if anybody's ever going to do this hike, if you do 200 flights of stairs on the Stairmaster, and I did it for, the I think, the month before the trip, I was already a runner, so I was n- used to running like three to five miles, no problem. But I wasn't used to kind of going up, and and that stairmaster. I think because I was the only one of the group that did the stairmaster, and I was so far out from in front of everyone. Well, Matt did it too. Matt, Matt, who went on it, had never really hiked anything right. other than maybe a local hiking trail. He had never been a hiker. He's he third, did great. He was the youngest guy on the trip. But he asked me what he should do, and he went to he went to his gym every day, and he got up to about 120 flights a day on the stairmaster. Mm-hmm. I said that because of the unevenness. The toughest thing, really, and Gary said it, is because they're all handmade stairs. Mm-hmm. And so I think if you, I think all of our stairs and all of our houses are eight-inch steps. And I think, wasn't it you, Gary, that told me about that study they did? Yeah, it, it's, when, you, when you climb steps, you get muscle memory. And, and what this one study did was they, they did one step that was nine inches. And and everybody tripped. <laughs> everybody tripped. And so just one, yeah, nobody could nobody could make it up the stairs without tripping. And to your and point, handmade, enough. handmade is they're all different yeah, levels. Yeah, I right. mean, there was three Cobble different stones. times I, I almost ate it. Gary wanted to take a picture one time. We were going down the steep scary. area. I went to turn. My second if, time laughing. Hard. If I did not have poles, <laughs> I would not be here today. <laughs> you I mean, that off. you would have heard. You could hear everybody like gasp that I was done. <laughs> I reached back in my pole. I totally fell down. Virginia screamed at me then, and and there was another time where we were um i was looking over the edge of something and i remember scott and virginia got nervous because it looked like the dirt on the edge of it was going to give out because i was so close to the edge and i'm kind of leaning over and they started screaming at me and i turned around to see them and i got dizzy because i'm scared i'm afraid of heights and so they i almost got fell off there too so you guys have views most of the time you're hiking I mean it sounds like you're not in the canopy I mean you have views no you have views the entire time it is gorgeous I mean the the third or really the only time we really didn't I don't know we had views the fourth day the third day there was maybe a period where you're just going through like woods yeah but but not much most of it's views I would say 98% of the time you have it's the prettiest country I've ever been to now, um, we, we rented everything. I know you talk about what we got and the porters and what they're carrying. 
the the first day we slept on grass. It was the most comfortable, best night's sleep. The next two days we slept on rock, which was a killer. We had inflatable mattresses, and that was fine from the sleeping. But when you had to get up to pee, and knowing you, bird shooter, please <laughs> every ten minutes, like Maybe, getting out possibly. of the tent, it is all rock. So if you don't stand up immediately and you put your knee down, it's gravel. So yeah. it was all rock and gravel. So it, it, I mean, it hurt a little bit. You get straight up just going out to pee, and then if you're barefoot, you're hurting walking on rocks. So, so let's talk about the campsites a little bit. So you're not actually camping in the towns. No, no. They're like no. designated campsites? Yeah. yeah. We and watched them kill a chicken the first day. So it really got interesting. So when Gary yeah. talked about all the food, you know, as we're eating and everybody's having it, and they're bringing us really, I mean, I even tried some of the, some of the meat one time. It was good. Um, we, oh, we ate alpaca. So I, I'm all yeah. over the place here. But when we got to Peru, we went out for a couple of dinners. And Matt was by far the most adventurous out of all of us eating. And yeah. he really wanted to eat guinea pig, which is the delicacy of Peru. Mm. So you could get guinea pig at most restaurants. Thankfully, you could also get pizza. So it was a win-win for all of us. Um, <laughs> I but, can't believe you found pizza that yeah, easily. So, but I ate alpaca the first night. We tried it. We I have it. video of it. Yeah, I we, have video. He says it's gamey. Yeah, it was a little chewy, but but um, um, we did that. But now... now uh, going back to the campsites, they would make some. They would make decent food, I guess, for those that no, ate it. Decent. It was incredible food that they. We considering they set up a kitchen on spot, but then one of the guys that we were with, um, that we had just met on the tour, asked, "Where, where? You know, I don't see you with coolers. Like, what are you? Where are you storing the meat? I saw you kill the chicken the first morning. They killed the chicken, so we knew the chicken was fresh, right? Yeah. Um, but we didn't know where you stored the meat. And they're like, oh, what we do is we, we have meat in the bags and we keep meat in bags in the river. And it's all snow melt. So the water's cold. It yeah. keeps the meat cold. So they would just have these places where they would just drop in meat in the river and they would cook it. Nobody got, nobody got sick at yeah. all from the food. Which, I, I mean, I had garlic bread. The last night is a special treat. They made me a pizza. And <laughs> On the trail? Yeah. On the trail. Yeah, How'd they trail. bake it? I don't know. I don't. They, well, they had cheese and they had bread. The garlic bread. They made me garlic bread every night, so it was like garlic bread and they put mozzarella and, and sauce they, on there. They, yeah, they. I think they chopped up the tomatoes and actually made you sauce because. Well, wasn't that the one they put tomatoes on? And he's like, no, 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 no. I don't like tomatoes. Yeah, I, I just like the it, sauce. Well, that was at the restaurant. The restaurant we had <laughs> that an issue. Was at the restaurant. So, yeah, I, no, it was. It was. The, so, are they cooking over an open fire? Or they have like little stoves that they. Uh, uh, they have propane. Mm. So, so these guys, and I have video of me trying to carry one of the packs. The porters carry anywhere between sixty and eighty pound packs. Wow, um, I've got a picture of it, Gary. Yeah, they're carrying our tents. And you say you have nine. You had nine porters for your group. Now, how many were in your group? There were four Six. with you specifically, and then you had two others. We had two others from Texas. They were Texas. And, and like the um, people you met on the trail, nationality. There's us eating food in the tent. And we can give you all these pictures, and you can post them to your Facebook page. But this is us eating in the tent. So that's Virginia. That's William, our tour guide. That's Matt, Gary. Um, that's a big Jeff, tent. Much bigger than and, uh, uh, they have. I mean, they set up an eating tent for you. Yeah. Here it is on the outside. Wow, so they cooked, huge. They cooked on that side. This is they would port this, so we, they would run ahead of us, sprint ahead of us, and I got pictures of that where they would sprint ahead of us, set up this giant tent where they would then start the meal. Yeah. We'd get there. We you know we'd sit at the table. Here's a picture of Gary putting on the pack that they wear. Oh my god, so Gary! Look how big it is. Look at by the way. Look at him. Yeah. Look at the size. How small that guy is. It's Sixty to eighty pounds. And so Gary's explaining how how heavy that is. And then when you're going up some of the hills and stuff. I love your hat, by the way. Your yeah, pippy like, long stacking hat. Oh my yeah, he bought that in Peru. You yeah, know, for the listeners that can't see the pictures, uh, essentially, um, if you take two F-150 pickup trucks and put them in the end, <laughs> that's about the size of this mess hall that they're setting up. And the pack that Gary had on his back that must have been 90 I mean, it, pounds looked like a... I think your audience would know 60, about 60 to 80 pounds. And you're, I mean... 
we had nine. That's why they would carry our personal stuff. We we all had backs, packs that we were allowed to keep 15 pounds in, up to 15 pounds, yeah, well, which and, we went over. Okay, by the way, the, the biggest tip I can give your folks, is, and it was a tip given by our guys, is um, put whatever you can fit in your pack the first day, put it in there. By the second day, whatever you can put in your duffel bag for the porters to carry, put that in there mm-hmm. and make your pack as light as possible. Those guys are used to carrying that stuff. Obviously, if you put a couple extra pounds in there, they're not going to notice the difference. But if you got an extra couple of pounds because you haven't done this trail before, yeah, whoa. And, yeah. and like Scott said, that second day going up, it's tough. Now, what, what are you paying for the... For the guide services, I so, mean, that, I know that's we, a. I mean, Gary did all the negotiation on that. We we, we had an awesome tour guide, yeah. and and going back, they would give. We went to a meeting when we landed, where they would all hand everybody a duffel bag, and you could have up to fifteen pounds. To Gary's point, all the hotels would weigh us, so they had weighed, so they would weigh the fifteen pounds, and but then my tour guide lifted up my my backpack. He said, "Way too heavy. Throw some more stuff in your duffel bag tonight." And that's what Gary said. <laughs> He's helping you. Out. Yeah, he said, "Dude, just throw some in there because once you're on the trail, nobody's weighing that bag again." Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that way, I like Gary said, the first day, which was the easiest hike day, I had probably forty pounds on me. That's a legitimate. When pack. you when you count, we had a hundred millimeter or hundred milliliter um, Camelback filled. Yeah. yeah. I had water bottles on both sides. We had food, had a raincoat, and stuff like that. Once you figure out the weather and stuff, I put my you know other stuff in the uh, duffel bag that night and got down to about twenty five pounds. So so let's talk about water. You guys, uh, you're just using a filter in the streams. Like how are you get in your. We water? got there. We went. The first thing we did was we went to a grocery store and we I bought these giant liters of water and we used that to fill us up. And the guy said the first day on the hike you don't want to use the streams. We all had filters, right? Because filter. they're further down? Yeah. They're further down, so it's, they're not a good. And after seeing the guy peeing in the creek, I, I understand. <laughs> and so, you got all the right. chicken in there that's... Yeah. Uh, and then they would freezing. boil water for us every morning. So every morning. They, they would, would fill us up. Uh, okay. So I, di- I didn't have a Camelback. I just did it with a couple of bottles, plastic mm-hmm. bottles that I bought. They would give us two liters. Each. And I definitely drank the least amount of water out of the group. Um, you were the, also the only one who did not take... Altitude sickness right. medicine. So three of us took that. Well, that, that was a question on my list because the elevation of Machu Picchu is uh, around seven, eight thousand. We get close not, to fourteen thousand yeah. feet. So wow. because the hike up, we're at thirteen nine eighty one. So oh, very before you come down, yeah, on the second day before you come down. So there was a lady who was I an unbelievable you. athlete that I that I hiked with on the <clears> thing. She said she had diarrhea for four days. She's never had altitude sickness like this in her life. And she's from Canada and was in, in great shape. She did not take the medicine. I, I had taken the medicine before on a 14er. And it's, it's worked for me. The only negative, and we were joking about this earlier, is I had Matt who had never hiked taken. We have to take it two days before we go. What it does to you is it makes soda taste so bad. So Matt, Matt that's, I need that. Matt's happen. telling this story where he goes to a restaurant in Philly and he drinks a Coke and he's like, oh, something's wrong with your tap. Returns it, goes to a Wawa, which is a local convenience store in the Northeast for some of your listeners, and buys a 20 ounce Coke and then realizes it's got to be the pills because he tastes it again and it tastes like ass. And he's like, oh, this is horrible. And that is the side effect, which is good because I drink, I, I have caffeine headaches. So along the the hike, there wasn't coffee in the morning. I've never had coffee. I always have one soda a day, a Mountain Dew, a Dr. Pepper. So I was really worried about that because the last thing I wanted was just major headaches as you're trying to enjoy it. Um, a gentleman you're very familiar with, Steve Scornia, had told me about these crystal light 
caffeine packets. Yeah. And I would just pour, I would carry an empty bottle of water when they'd fill me up. Just a caffeine rush. I would pour it in, drink that in the morning, and I would feel great. And I didn't have any altitude sickness or any problem. Gary, who didn't take the bills, didn't have any issues, but he also drank the least amount of water, which is crazy. Yeah, well, yeah, well you I, say it's the opposite. I you need we, water. Well, no. I think we all had some altitude sickness when we, we got, got to Cusco. Yeah. Because Cusco's at like 11,000 feet. Wow, I did not realize it was that um, high. And Cusco's high. Yeah, Cusco, what, what it is, is you're high in Cusco when you land. And then you come down when you actually go to the start of the Inca Trail. Mm. And so, the, but the first day, you're only camping at like 9,000 feet. So if, if you acclimate in Cusco, yeah. you're, you're okay. Now, you guys uh, were in Cusco how long? Before for two you... days prior. Okay. We we got, literally, we flew in that morning. We had a meeting that afternoon. Then we had a full day to just do tour stuff. And then we left at like 545 the, right. the next morning. Right. So we had one full day. And we got there at eleven fifteen on a Wednesday, and the hike started at five forty five on a Friday. Right. So that that helps them understand. Most people, and the, and the other two people who we had just met who went with us, they were there. They they made sure they had three or four days. Some people could do that. I think our schedules, our work, and how we tried to compact everything, we didn't take as many days to get acclimated. Now you think it's within reach of most people? I mean, you guys do hike, and you're both relatively fit. I mean, especially you, Gary. If I can do it, anyone can do it. <laughs> so, I, I, I mean, you're talking advice? about somebody who I'm probably the only one in the group that got in shape during the hike. Most people got in shape before the hike. Yeah. Um, when I crossed over the 14, when we got to the top of that mountain and came down, I could not have felt better. And I think Gary can attest. I didn't eat much on the trip, but I had more energy by the end of the trip yeah. than most people. I was running up to the top of the mountain with pictures. I think <laughs> it's like the hills are alive. It really was. It's the sound it was of music. Unbelievable. Were you, were you the, spinning around in circles? I, our guide literally was <laughs> worried about out. After the first day, which was the easiest day of hiking, he pulls me aside and says, please take your time on day two because it is the toughest and we saw people quitting so going up the mountain you would see typically older folks turn around and come back and say I'm done because yeah. it's 4,000 feet straight up now Gary was a rocket ship he and, and two other people they were way way ahead and uh, the tour guide pretty much kept with me I, I got to one point where we were talking about earlier I didn't do any research mm-hmm. on Machu Picchu but I did talk to people who had done the hike and one of the best advice I got was take an old iPod or something that plays music because there's going to be times where you just want to listen to music. Yeah. And luckily I had that. So I popped it in and kind of listened to music and took my time getting up there. Or the Into Backpacking podcast. <laughs> Which, by the way, uh, you know, it's, it's definitely absolutely a, well, and, an option. Yeah, and, and, and yes, I'm in, uh, I'm in fairly good shape, but I still needed to do the training for, for that, you know, the, the, the way up. Yeah. The, stair, the Stairmaster is the right way to do it just because yes. of... That's the steepness, the right? The steepness and the unevenness. So at least you're doing stairs. And so we would, Gary and I at the old office would do stairs a lot. You know, that's where I would get. I would do those stairs and do the elliptical. That was my training. And I obviously, I, I don't have the greatest diet, so that killed me a lot. Um, Wait, but I drink a ton of water. Pizza and wing guys. And Did you I, find wings, by the way? In, in like Peru. chicken fingers and stuff. No, yeah. I think I stick to pizza. They had pizza. Yeah, you had yeah. pizza. We had pizza every, every day. day. Um, I tried Inca Cola. That's made by Coca Cola. For those that ever come to Atlanta, yeah. if you go to the World of Coke, they have it. By the way, they have it oh, at the World do. of Coke. It tastes like cotton candy. That's yeah. what I thought it did. I, I'm not a big fan of it, but if you ever go to the World of Coke in, in Atlanta, you can taste soft drinks from Inca Peru, Coke. and it says Peru, and it's Inca Cola. Yeah. Um, so we tried that, but yeah, mostly I ate pizza. Um, it, it, they made me the pizza on the trail, and then the last day. After our hike's over, we go to Machu Picchu City, and part of the um, the whole tour that Gary put together for us was a free buffet. So they had a, a giant buffet, but they also had pizza there, but you had to pay extra. I, I was willing to write a check for 100 bucks at that time. I was starred for four days. I had them, I had our translator, you know, our tour, I'd translate exactly what I wanted, and I had a great pizza, and, and then we took the train ride back. 
So it was it was pretty good. We I mean it was if I can do it, anybody can do it. Um, I know a lot of people that have gone. It's really getting past the second day. One of the coolest stories we heard, as as I was talking about it earlier, when we'd sit around the table and have dinner and tell stories, William was telling us this story. This this guy, his dream, he was an older gentleman. He was 63 years old, and his dream was to hike Machu Picchu with his wife. He books the trip. Two years prior. Two years prior, he books the trip. So now, six months before the trip, he dies. Uh-huh. His wife wants to honor him. She is from, do you remember they were somewhere in Europe, but but oh, it was like yeah, it was like Yugoslavia or, yeah. some, or they Czechoslovakia. Were both out of shape. They were out of shape, but they also spoke of... zero English, yes. zero Spanish, zero whatever. So she brought her translator and said, "In honor of my husband, I want to yes, hike Machu right. Picchu." She brought her own translator yeah. who spoke Spanish. The problem in the place is, of her husband. Yes, the problem is Peru government is very strict on paperwork and all this. She did not transfer the visa. To, the, the permissions to hike Machu Picchu uh, from her husband to her translator. Right. So her translator couldn't go. So she starts crying and she says, I've got to do this. The translator basically says, I will meet you up there. So the translator can take the train and go up to Machu Picchu but cannot hike the Inca Trail. So the first day they do the hike and we typically finish the hike in maybe four and a half, five hours the first day. This lady took about eight, eight and a half. They get her to the campsite and they explain to her, look, you really are not keeping up. You're not. Unfortunately, you know, she was 63 years old. She was, he said, sort of a big lady, um, like Virginia, who was with us. Virginia didn't find that very flattering. <laughs> a big lady like you, Virginia. But, yeah, so, so the, uh, so the yeah, first. Yeah, she doesn't look big to me in the picture. No, no, she's not. She's she in looks great very shape. petite. I think what he meant was big, like, just, just from a size standpoint, like okay. a tall lady. Like, frame. Yeah, frame, okay. frame-wise. So she insisted on going. So the second day, I told you there's a checkpoint where you have to check in. They go to the second point, and the checkpoint guy goes, no, I'm, I'm sorry, I, I, we can't allow you. So she cries and cries and makes a big scene, and they say, fine, but you sign all of these waivers that says, we're not responsible if you die on the trail, because we don't believe that you can make this trail. So she signs all the paperwork, they're going up, it gets to the point, that second day, where she can't make it. She's collapsing. So all of the porters take turns carrying her. Oh. So they carry her to the campsite, where she's crying, and then, it gets even more crazy, there is... A special remedy in Peru when you have cramps. Her legs are cramping. She's in 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 tons of pain. The the special remedy from our tour guide is urine. Uh-huh. So all the guys go around the corner and pee into a bucket, and then they take mint leaves and they put the mint leaves in the bucket to kill the smell, and they bring it back to her and say, "We have special medicine for your cramps. Just rub this <laughs> on your legs." Like He's telling special medicine to so, me. But apparently it worked, right? So she felt better. She's like, "I'm ready to go the third day." And the same thing happened. You know, she do a little bit of the third day, but then they would have to carry her. So they would try to carry her. And long story short, she gets to the gates. Wow, she made it. And, and who's waiting for her at the gates but her translator. Mm. And she's crying and all this. Wow. Now, I did ask the question. Like I was like, how much did she tip you guys? Yeah, and he, he, he said she didn't tip at all. Yeah, culturally, they don't understand. She was very thankful. She hugged everybody, kissed yeah. everybody. Yeah. But it, it wasn't enough to keep their families fed. But it, uh, <laughs> it, uh, I mean, it was an unbelievable story. So those are the coolest moments. I think talking about the day, hearing the stories, but also hearing about other people's experiences because – we almost felt like a family, I think, during the experience from the hike. Going that, that almost sounded like an ever story where the Sherpas are trying to get you to the summit, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it was really that, that's what Sherpa! Sounded like. She sounded yeah. like she was a, a fairly big woman. and, and Well, she that, wanted to, to honor her husband. Well, and it gave me new, you know, again, when I put on that pack that these guys wear, I can see how they can get in shape to carry a woman. 
That's amazing That's, that they carried it. Yeah. yeah. So talk about nationalities for a minute. Like, uh, obviously, so, there's obviously a lot of Americans, probably a lot of Europeans there. Canadians. I met, I met a guy a lot of from Canadians. Argentina. I yes, a, a lot of Argentina. Denmark. Yeah. Uh, met a girl from Canada. Um, it's all over the place. What What about, like, uh, the sort of Central and South America? Do they, do a lot of those nationalities do the trail? I don't It's kind of more so. in their It bank, may have been know? a financial thing. It, it's interesting, because, not to fast forward, but the last night when we were in Peru, we ended up going to Lima. So we went to Lima, Peru, and Virginia, who was with us, is a foodie. Oh, Somebody God. who loves food. Wait, is she the one that ate the piranhas? Uh, Matt, we all did. Oh, my God. Well, Matt, Harry did, too. I, I did, did too. not. I did not. What so did the piranhas taste like? They looked hideous. By you know, well, that's the look. I think it was well, in between. He and I got to tell you, everything on that. So it's a 15-course meal or something. Yeah. And it was like $110 American, yeah. which doesn't sound like a lot for us. So where I was going with this is there's a book that you sign in when you go into this restaurant. And it's the number four restaurant in the world. Jack, my wife works with a bunch of chefs, so it's well known. But nobody in Peru can afford to eat there. So mm-hmm. when you open this book, you see Norway, you see Denmark, you see obviously America, Canada, but nobody from Peru eats there. And it's in a house in this neighborhood. So I went with them, took pictures just to see the experience, and then I went over to KFC or Pizza Hut for dinner, and they finished eating their 11 course or 15 course meal. And you saw some of the pictures of the food. Not all these pictures we can provide for your Facebook page. But um, it was an experience. But well, and i got to tell you, everything on that menu tasted fine. Tasted it's really cool. good. The chef comes out and explains yeah, to you, she, right? Well, the, yeah. So it's by altitude. Yes. The, so, so essentially, you, you have these different altitudes in Peru, and it, it's dishes based on that. And so you have some seafood, you have some mountain stuff, and, the, and it's this whole thing. They explain it to you. There's a lot of presentation. They tell you what you can eat and what you can't eat because some things on the plate they say are very poisonous. Okay. Um, so there is a presentation factor to it. And when you eat it, it doesn't, you know, like piranha, the piranhas are staring you in the face. It's not what you eat. <laughs> Dude, that's the picture that you we know. need to have on the Facebook page because they yeah. looked hideous. They are. And, and I got to tell you, those teeth, I wouldn't want to get bitten by one uh, of those yeah, things. Yeah, no but, kidding. But it was, you know, it didn't taste bad. And again, part of, um, you know, going to Peru and going on the Inca Trail and, and, and Machu Picchu and stuff, it's about doing stuff that you don't have the opportunity to do here. Yeah, um, sure. You know, hiking on the, on, up to Machu Picchu, you can't do something like that here in the United States. So I figured part of it was the food. Well, you know, one of the things we haven't really talked about to get back to the trail was the, the scenery. I mean, the pictures oh. you guys had were phenomenal. And um, I haven't even posted half the pictures. I mean, I'm, you're still I'm working still, on the video. I'm still working on the video because I want to make it as epic as it was. The problem is, again, I don't have drone footage, so, you know, it's pretty much just a selfie stick, and that's where all the video's coming from or phones and stuff like that. So it's, it's hard to put into perspective what hiking amongst these mountains are and when you look back at the trail and you're like oh my god i just hiked from over there on the other side of that mountain because you're crossing mountains Mm -hmm. and you're going around these places and sometimes you don't you know i had to always be reminded by william or one of the porters that we were uh, hiking with look back because you're so focused on looking forward and getting to, to where you're going. Yeah. You don't, you don't look, look where you back. came from. Yeah. Yeah. And, you you know, it's kind of a motto for life. 
Um, yeah, there's the piranha shot. Oh, those teeth are so nasty. Yeah. Oh my god, you got. I definitely got to put some pictures up. No. Yeah, and so and like we were saying, this restaurant is all about altitude. So obviously the piranhas were below sea level, so zero. So yeah. But there's a picture of the menu that I could show you that shows all this stuff. So it was interesting. I mean, it, it isn't for me. It isn't my thing. So yeah, there, there's the menu, so you can kind of see like they would tell you what altitude. How hey, many so uh, one of the questions I had we haven't gotten to yet is. On language. I mean, I was just looking at your menu, which made me think of it. Um, now, how critical... It's obviously not that critical to know Spanish. I'm sure well, it's very helpful. don't even well, speak Spanish. Yeah, it depends on... What do they speak? What they, they speak Spanish. No, no, the porters had a different language. Remember, William spoke oh, right. it, but, but it was called... Um, if you said it, I would know it. It's another language. It's a language, basically, of the Incas or, right. or whatever. It's, okay, it's so he had actually Inca, Inca so heritage. So he, he oh, could yeah. speak Spanish and that. So he would translate. Like So when I was talking to him, I mean, he, it was another complete language. Um, well, and, 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 and to your point, you don't have to know. I mean, none of us knew Spanish at all. Virginia knew more than any of us. Yeah, she Virginia was definitely the, 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 the Spanish She helped expert. me get my pizza one night by saying right. no tomatoes. <laughs> I, I don't know how that worked. But. Right, but it, it's, yeah. it's not necessary. Um, you know, Google even sells these earbuds now that will translate in your ear live. Oh, that's know, interesting. Whatever language Didn't know that. you want. Oh, yeah, but technology nowadays. And we Google could Translate apps. works yeah. pretty well. Um, so I don't, you know, don't let language make the decision. You should go because you want the scenery. It yeah, is unbelievable. Right. It's something that, by the way, I give Gary credit. I didn't know much about Machu Picchu, and it wasn't on my radar. But when you go there, there's a book called Turn Right at Machu Picchu that really talks about it, and it's fascinating. It's in the middle of nowhere, and yeah. to hike the Inca Trail to get there is very satisfying and the, the ruins that you see along the way and the experience that you have is so well worth it. If, if any of your listeners even think about taking a bus... Or a train. Never listen to your podcast ever again. Because <laughs> yeah. they're, they're not the target never, audience. No, right? they, they absolutely... Right. Because there's no way... Again, it was so unsatisfying for me to walk through the Sun Gate and then see a guy with white socks and sandals with a selfie stick. That walked how far to get there? That we walked a mile. It's, it's a good mile up the hill from the, the bus station. He's at Machu Picchu to walk up to the gates. Yeah. Oh, Machu Picchu, gates. you're right there, right? I mean, you're so walking like, from the from the parking lot to Machu Picchu. How far? Yeah, fifteen twenty feet. Oh, it's yeah. not really. Yeah. It's that easy. There is no parking oh. lot really. It's, you literally have to take a bus up there and they drop you off. Yeah. Wow, the bus is and the bus wrong. takes you down to the train station. Yeah, yeah. You take a train to Machu Picchu City and then a bus runs you up to. Machu Picchu. And now, how, how long do they they let you kind of wander the Machu Picchu area as long as you want? Yeah, so we, we, we talk, so we got there and because that looked cool to me. I mean, yeah. it looks like all the rooms awesome. and all the you know. It, it was awesome. Uh, the only thing is, our, our tour guide by this time got really sick, which is weird. He had lost his voice, so he hooked us up with another tour guide, which is ironic. So this tour guide gives us a tour, and when you get to Machu Picchu, they don't allow any drinks or any food. You can't have a backpack. You can't have a backpack. You have to check your backpack. So can you, you take pictures inside? Oh the yeah, yeah. You yeah. can take pictures, but you cannot bring your backpack no or any tripod. Outside. So when you walk in, you um. Now you think it's because they don't want food wrappers and water bottles. Yeah, they and... they, they try to. I think so. And okay. also, you've got um, what, what are the um, what oh llamas? You have llamas walking yeah. around all over the place. Well, well, they don't they don't mow the grass and they don't do a lot of upkeep on it. So the llamas are there just to. Make sure that the grass doesn't get out of control. Huh. But you've got them just walking around. So you don't want to be eating wrappers and stuff like that. Yeah, so. yeah, that makes sense. But the sun was boiling on us, and this guy sat us against so the top. That shocks me. That would have that really surprised me because you're at a pretty high elevation. There. Well, right outside there's bars. You can leave, and here's the thing: when you go in, you're allowed to leave once and come back in. So yeah. you could go out and get water, but you can't bring it in. You you can go outside and get something to drink and eat once, 
and then go back in. But we're on a tour with this guy. He literally sits us against a wall where the sun is behind him, and just beating on us. For and he does a speech, minutes, yeah, at least. Minutes. I think it was like 45 I fell minutes. Asleep. You were baking. And it, you was, it was fascinating, but at this point, we had two and a half hours of sleep. We had just hiked in. We all smelled like crap, and we're all dying in the thirst. And this and guy. We don't is, have any water. And yeah. And this guy is passionate, which I appreciated about he had studied the, you know, Machu Picchu and how it's how it's designed to see all these stars and how the astrology affects it. And so once that tour was over, yeah, everybody ran him. to get something to it drink. It wasn't him. It was the day. Yeah. It's the last day. William, our guide, gets sick, so he's waiting for us outside. We get this new guy. We get introduced to him. We get hooked up with a couple other people who we really didn't know. And we're sitting there in this sun and just baking. And all I'm thinking about is, get me out of Machu Picchu so I can get a drink in a Snickers bar. <laughs> a Snickers because bar. Because I'm starving. <laughs> and then we knew at you know at 12 or 1 o'clock we had to meet William. And the problem is, and, and you, you'll see this at Machu Picchu a lot, and you hear a lot of people talk about this in Machu Picchu. The lines are just unbelievable. For, for Machu Picchu. You mean for uh, for food yeah. and drinks and food. for the bathroom and you had to pay for the bathroom. Uh, the bathroom. Yeah, the bathroom was nice. I mean, Even it was nice to finally wash my face with a sink. The they had running water at Machu Picchu. It was great. That we, was a big um, breakthrough. So no showers on the trail. That's not going to happen. No running water. There was a shower and I went one time, but honestly, they run yes. it through a creek. It is ice it's cold. Ice it's cold. snow melt. Yeah. So I turned on the shower to wash up, but I mean, I got fat. I had like third degree frostbite <laughs> from trying to wash up. I came out of there a woman. Essentially, yeah, I had I had some. Exfoliating apricot scrub with me for what? my face and stuff, just to kind of wipe the dirt away. And I, that was one of the other times when I laughed because I had just washed my face with the warm water that they had provided us, and that was the day when we saw them dump the water out, and then they used their feet that night to clean it. And Scott's like, "Look over there!" And I just, I just died laughing. I mean, I couldn't help but laugh. But then the next morning, I'm like. Do I really want to use my apricot, you know, scrub on my face with that water that they're using to wash their feet off? Oh, it gets worse. So you'll, uh, you, you can relate to this, uh, bird shooter, is that I have to pee so much because of the oxygen medicine and the water you drink <laughs> that I kept a Gatorade bottle in my tent because one night I'm like, I just don't want to get out. <laughs> it's of called tent. it's called Mister Yuck. There, it's an actually it's a it's a yeah. technique. Fair it's enough. So I, I got up in the middle of the night and I peed in this Gatorade bottle. And I filled it, uh, but I was able to stop, no problem. I, of course, then I had to pee four more times, but I had to fill bottle. <laughs> so that morning, I I poured... I, well, I, you I, actually gave it to the Czech woman for her, uh, her, her <laughs> no, muscle no. Pass, right? Well, that, that morning, I I got out of the tent with a full bottle of um, urine, uh, a full Gatorade bottle of urine, and I poured it out. And then I went and threw the Gatorade bottle into this garbage can that they had set up for us. And I watched those guys pick the Gatorade bottle out of the garbage. And recycle it? And recycle it. No! So everybody was like, dude, are you going to tell them? I'm like, I, they don't speak our language. I don't know what to tell them. But it was, I felt bad in a way, but I, I'm pretty healthy and they'll just make them stronger. I had perfect yeah, bombs for 12 years. Urine is sterile, so you know, yeah, there you go. used it to pour the water into our food. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. To boil. But yeah, it was an unbelievable experience. I want to make sure that, that for your listeners, um, that we do cover because it is something I think we'd highly recommend to go. And, and Gary just shared an article yesterday that Peru is like the. The um, yeah, capital of food. Well, now. And, and, and so to get to some pointers, if you're going to do this, book it early. Like we said, that guy booked it two years in advance. That's probably the best thing to do. We booked this about six, we, I think six we made months. It, yeah, we made it in February 
Um, well, December we had made a decision. Yeah, yeah, we had made January twenty eighth is we, when we yeah. had the, the. I think January twenty eighth. Yeah, and we took off July twenty eighth. So it was and there exactly was, six. There months. were three people who were supposed to go with us, who delayed their payments to the tour company, and by the time they got around to paying the tour company, the tour company said, "Hey." The, the permits are done. One person missed it. it by five minutes. Yes. We yes. had this other person go on this, and they had just given away the last visa because, like, yeah. said, there's 500 people a day allowed, and that's it. So you, you've got to pick your the, – the way I researched it was I picked a tour company. I, I just went to TripAdvisor, found the top tour company, which was Aspas Peru. They had great recommendations about food, and, and I know Scott had some dietary issues, so I made sure that – there was a place that could do good food for Me- Meaning us. pizza and wings required. Well, no, yeah. no, they made sure they made sure they loaded <laughs> up on bread because you need carbs, obviously, yes. for the hike, but I don't eat much else. But they were they were yeah. very accommodating. And our tour guide, we couldn't we were all friends with him on Facebook yeah. now. Super nice guy. And um, he was great. Well now what was the co- we kinda danced around this. I don't know if you ever answered. What was the sort of the cost just for the guided part? So Obviously was, you gotta get down. Yeah, it depends on how many wow, people that's go. Less than I would have thought. But it, it I but think five days, with right? six people four days, nine, four days, three nights. I think it was nine sixty it wound up to be. Nine sixty or nine eighty. We said we each saved there. about it was gonna be twelve hundred and then yeah. we add then two other people who had already signed up, they said, Do you mind going with these two other people who ended up being great? The guy yeah. was a doctor at Baylor University Hospital in Dallas and his wife was an art teacher. So it was those two and us four. Because we got over five, it dropped it to, yeah, it was like $980 a person or something like that. And that included everything, all the porters, the transportation. We we got the best car on the train ride back, like an all-glass car. Um, meals, all Vista that stuff. Dome, I think it was the, called. Yeah, the addition and for the, the hotel really wasn't expensive. So yeah, you, that that gets you the entire Inca experience. So from the day you get on the hiking trail to the day you leave Machu Picchu and get back to your hotel, that's what that nine hundred and sixty bucks gets you. Anything outside of that, you've got to pay for on your own. Like two, um, the two the two hotel room nights. That you want, you've got to pay for that. So that was one on the front and one on the back? Is that how you did it? Well, for us, we had two nights on the front and one on the back. Okay. Is what we did for the hotel. And then we flew from uh, Cusco to to Lima and said, let's spend the day in Lima. We spent the night and then we flew direct back to Miami the next day. Yeah, I think the total cost for my entire trip was somewhere around... Um, eighteen sixteen hundred to eighteen hundred. That seems that seems incredibly reasonable for that yeah. experience. But yeah, yeah, that that was probably mine, not counting anything you bought. Like if you buy supplies yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, two grand, and this is an unbelievable vacation for six days, and it was it was an unbelievable experience. Now, did you guys have to? I know that you had a guy that provided tents. Did you take your own sleeping bags? Uh, so that's a good point. Gary and I bought twenty dollars sleeping bags that we gave to our guide as a gift. Twenty dollars sleeping. Yeah, bags? we found on, on it Amazon. must have weighed like ten tons. No, it wasn't that thirteen thirteen. Ounces or something. I mean, yeah, it, was, it, was, it wasn't bad. It, they were they shrunk down to almost nothing, and they were they were rated for, I think, forty degrees. I wanted to minimize what I carried, so they would carry your inflatables. So we got the inflatable mattress from them, the tent from them. So the only thing we brought was our sleeping bags because. You know, you can rent sleeping bags for four dollars a day from them, but it's kind of gross. Oh, yeah, you know it yeah. is. You could bring your own liner. A lot yeah, of people, exactly. a lot of people say, "Why don't you just pack your own liner and stuff?" But we found a sleeping bag for almost what a liner would cost. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's it, a good choice. By yeah, the way. I, I thought so, and it really made it easy. So you had those supplies. I brought a lot of beef jerky, a lot of food, no problem there, and um, you know, just making sure you had a camelback. The the one piece of gear that you were really glad you had on the Inca Trail. We didn't. We didn't need. It did not rain at all, so we didn't need raincoats at all or any of that stuff. 
in terms of you guys are probably lucky i I would think i honestly for us the inflatable mattress was the one on the greatest purchase that we rented for them because you're on rock two nights Ah. it made a huge difference so we had friends who you know uh liz and morgan from a former company that you work for they went on this tour before and they said that's the number one thing they did not they they just laid on a mat and they said they were miserable. That the one thing they wish they had done is had an inflatable mattress. Yeah, so that, that's good advice. I could see that. That, that made a huge thing. Bugs really were not an issue. We did have bug spray. Um, you definitely need sunscreen as you're going up. Um, is there anything you took that you kind of felt like was a waste that you wish you wouldn't have taken? For me, honestly, I, I loaded up on a lot of gummy bears and beef jerky. I, I had a lot of extra food when it was all said and done. Um, but for the most part, I did. We I, I we packed perfectly. I think the the the. We had one parachute. outside of the sleeping bag and, and, and things of that sort. If you're going to rent a mattress pad, you have to rent at least rent a mattress pad. Um, the inflatable one, yeah. Right. You have to do that because, again, sleeping on, if you're used to it, fine, but yeah. the rocks were just horrible. Yeah. Um, outside of that, the poles, I think, uh, yeah. were absolutely. Did you take hiking sticks? I know, I know uh, I Cardiac here did. We yeah. had one guy, on the, one guy in our group rent poles from them. And he left them at one of the ruins, and they could never find them again. Right. And it cost him 60 bucks. 60 bucks. bucks. And, and he rented them. They were $3 a day, but he ended up having to pay 60 bucks for the poles, which I, at the end, it's fine. They charge you more for that here, probably, if you Yeah. Well, I mean, and, and, the poles and, saved my life, because yeah, I almost was, fell a couple of times, and if it wasn't for the pole. I think the majority of stuff that I took um, outside of toiletries and, and stuff like that, I got on Amazon for pretty reasonable prices. Like we said, we $20 sleeping bag, and we just left them. I, mean, I didn't want to take the sleeping bag. I gave him extra bag. food, the sleeping bag. Um, yeah, and, and I, I think the poles. The other thing you really want to invest in, again, I, I think if you're going on this trip, is a good camera. Okay. Um, iPhones today have really good cameras on them, so I don't know that you necessarily need a great camera, but you want something that you can take pictures on. And I think that one of the biggest things that, that I was able to do was I brought one of the uh, portable battery packs. So that if my phone or my camera or, or anything ran out, I at least had some extra juice because there's no place to charge. There's no place to, to actually pl- plug in. You don't need a computer. You do, you know you want to minimize what you bring. But that was one thing, Gary. You brought a lot of that. I mean, that, that was I brought a lot weight. of batteries. I know for his audience, they're yeah. going to say, this guy's carrying a lot of extra I brought weight. a ton of batteries, and I, I essentially changed like we talked about the first day i was carrying them the second day i put them in my duffel bag and that that's probably a good point that we haven't explained when you hire a tour company they allow you this this 15 kilograms to put in a duffel bag 15 pounds so, yeah yeah so each 15 pounds so each day in the morning when you wake up you pack your things into a duffel bag and then you have your pack on your back so the duffel bag goes with the porters so essentially what I had was the first day I was hiking with all of these batteries, I think I had three portable batteries that were able to recharge a phone like But I'm going to bet you 12, 12 to 15 extra pounds probably in the batteries. Yeah, no, it was easily, it was, it was a lot of weight. And I had enough juice, to, I had way too many. I would say one larger battery would be plenty. I was also bringing those because I was able to charge the drone batteries if I could take the drone with me too. Sure, right. So that's why I had all those batteries as well. So... Um, batteries are important. Uh, a camera is important. Um, I didn't use bug strawberry whatsoever. We talked about I didn't take any of the altitude medication. Um, definitely stock up on some, some Snickers bars and, and things of that sort, some food that you'd like. 
um, be, something that you know maybe a, a oh, was it ammonium that the other two had to take? I know we we did yeah. not have issues. <laughs> the way there you were talking, it sounds like you did yeah. take some. No, there it's, was no, there it's was good two, things to bring. People. Yeah, because that stuff happens. That yeah. you know, outside of the food and stuff. You may just be stressed and your body may just, you know, kind of go on you. And it, nobody knows what their body's going to no. do if you've never been to 14,000 feet. Yeah, right. Nobody knows what their body's going to do at, at 14,000 feet. So it's important to kind of be prepared. I, I and, took a leave every day. I took yeah. Ambien at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's night the other thing. To sleep. Because remember, you're, you're sleeping in a tent and people are up and the, port, the porters would party. You have a lot of snores, yes. to your point, but you also have... He's got to snore. The port, yeah, the, well, I think out. everybody was at one point. <laughs> the, the, you had the porters going at it um, one night, too. The, but, porter, the porters all sleep in the food tent. Yeah, they all, sleep all, in the, they, so they, they, they line them up. They have a le- there was 11 people yeah. total because you had the cook and the tour guide. Or the tour guide had his own tent, but you had ended up 11 people like lined up. And yeah, the tour guide's guys. like a king. He's yeah. got his own tent. They cook for him. Yeah, right. He's the only guy who speaks English. Yeah, Presidente. Yeah, yeah. No, and but he does this every. I mean, literally, he had one day off after we got back, and then he was taking a, a newlywed couple who who wanted for some reason for their honeymoon to hike the Inca Trail, which is amazing. But I mean, you really have to marry a, a woman that would want to do this, and and he, and he was taking them up on a private tour. But boom, here he is going another thirty miles of hiking right after he does it with us. Yeah. So, so the I mean, obviously the guide spoke English without a doubt. Yeah, our guide was awesome. William was awesome, and then he had a name we could pronounce. I mean, it was great. That'd probably be interesting we'll hanging do, out with. Uh, maybe we'll put his name in. So if you go to Ospis Peru or something, you can yeah. kind of request him. Yeah, yeah. Well, I could put it a link on the uh, website. Yeah, I'll ask. Him. You know, it'd be interesting to probably hang out with those guys and have a few cocktails like late night. They, the stories that they told that William told on the trail, and, and again, I wish I had had some type of language ability to speak with the porters because I think their stories would even be better. Um, but you know, what? what's funny is I, I'm in fairly good shape and I, I was going fast on the trail. I could find, um, as I was walking up and stuff, I would see these, these porters pass me and some of the locals pass me. And so, you know, I've got these special shoes and you want to avoid blisters and, you know, socks and, and all this stuff. And then here comes this guy going 100 miles a minute wearing freaking sandals, almost bare feet that have been like ripped in several different places because he can't afford anything and he's one of the locals and he's flying by me. Yeah. And, you know, he it kind of makes you, gives you a little bit of perspective that why am I, why do I need these $100 or $200 pair of boots, hiking boots with, with special socks and this $500 jacket that I've got? Um, I, I and your apricot scrub too. Yeah, my apricot scrub. <laughs> it probably well, costs like three hundred bucks for I a small tell mile. You, I will tell you, the second night when you're camping at altitude, you're at about thirteen thousand feet. I didn't bring a lot of um, warm clothes because I figured, hey, we're going to be hiking and I'll be kind of hot, and I'll make sure that I at least have some layers. But I didn't bring. I brought some long pants with some lining in them, and right. I thought they were going to be warm enough. Well, when we got to the, I, I showed them to uh, William prior to us hiking, and he goes, "Yeah, you're probably going to want to get something." And he goes, "I'll show you what you want to get." So, before on your two-hour um, bus ride, they usually stop at this place. It's just a little store, and I bought these um, alpaca pants that are wool pants. Yeah, I've seen them. And I got to tell you, they saved my life on that second night. 
Um, Virginia got them as well. I think they were like ten bucks. Mm. If you can buy them, buy them because I, I got it. There was no way I would have survived that second night, even in a mummy bag with three pairs of pants that were on me. Hmm. Um, what what temperature do you think it got down to that night? Oh, I think it easily got down to twenty five. Yeah, Fahrenheit. You lightweights. <laughs> well, I think well, I you're in a forty degree uh, sleeping, sleeping bag. bag. Yeah. It wasn't like a you know. A super warm the mummy bags. Right? I think I was at a thirty degree mummy bag, but it was freezing. And I, I mean, I had long underwear on, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it was just from the night before being perfect. Yeah, yeah. So well, you're freezing to hot falls. Yeah. I mean, it was it was nuts. So you guys ready for three closing questions? Fire away. Yeah. The big thought provokers. <laughs> yeah, true false. <laughs> <laughs> no more true false. Yeah. So we can't get these wrong. No, you cannot get these wrong. <laughs> Fire away. What, what surprised you guys the most about Machu Picchu? I'll let Scott answer first. I honestly just how beautiful it was, and that it was so undiscovered, and that only thirty percent of what we saw has been uncovered. Because like when you're on the trail and in the jungles, you're on the Inca Trail, and it was all handmade. So it was amazing that way. So I mean, and, and really for somebody who didn't know much about it and didn't really do much research. I, I've become mesmerized by it. I've read the book, you know, Turn Right at Machu Picchu. I've definitely watched documentaries on it since I got back because I felt sort of a, an attachment to it. It was just amazing. And everybody in Peru was super nice. And the one other thing that we didn't bring up earlier, besides Machu Picchu, in Cusco City and in Machu Picchu City, dogs run freely. Hmm. I, I mean, there's like hundreds of dogs and they're walking down the street like you're in the movie Zootopia and you have animals. They don't bother you. They're all different breeds. But they just walk up and down the streets and, and you go about your business. When we were in Lima, I didn't see that as much. I didn't see any dogs on the street. But both, I mean, right in, right when we got to Cusco, you're walking down the street and your first, um, the ability to get nervous, right? You're like, oh, there's a dog coming at me. Like, is this a rabid dog? Like, what's going on? But they were all very friendly. And I mean, Gary's a dog lover, so he was uh, intimate yeah. with most of them that came by. But, but for most of us, I mean, it was just, it was interesting. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, Interesting. And, and, and one of the moments actually you brought up, one of the moments I laughed hardest was it was we had our final buffet lunch and Scott had his pizza and then they send you off to shop in the town of Aguas Calientes, and um, I turned around. I was looking at something and I hear this loud bang and I turn around and there's Scott who had just tipped over this poor woman's entire hat stand. I mean, it exploded. <laughs> it was unbelievable. It's like a I just reached for a hat until you hope and the whole thing just comes crashing down in the middle of this flea market. Probably 80 hats, and I have a great picture yeah. of him trying to put it back together, and the woman's it like patting horrific. him on the back. But again, everybody's super nice. I didn't get arrested. Nobody got upset. No, but, but what uh, I, I think the one thing I, I remember about is just... Get in shape if you're gonna do this. Um, Scott did great. I mean, I know Scott trained on it, and, and, but know. not as much as I could have. And I will tell you, it made me want to be a, being healthy. I felt yeah. great there, and I don't know if yeah. it's that. Place. It was endorphins too. You get hooked on. It, you well, know, you exercise every you're day. You're out in the open, and, and I can I fresh can tell air, you no smog. The entire time, there is something epic that you're looking at, meaning the mountains, the trees, the the fog. I've got seven or eight different uh, unbelievable time lapses. And that was the other thing. I was kind of, I, I never had enough time to do the time lapses that I wanted. Um, I got this great star time lapse and it took me 60 minutes to get 
three seconds of the stars moving across with this snow-capped mountain in the area. And that's what I'll remember is a lot of the, the, the pictures and the compositions that I saw in the pictures and, and just not having time to set that stuff up because you're, you're going. You have, you have a lot of hiking on the, this, this trail to do. And again, we did the classic four-day Inca hike. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other different hikes that you can wind up in Machu Picchu with. Um, but, but I think the, the one thing I remember is just everywhere you turn and every time you turn around, there is something gorgeous. And, and when you get to that sun gate and you get your first peak of Machu, Machu Picchu and the sun is kind of rising behind your back and you see the clouds kind of rolling a, a, across Huanu Picchu, which is the typical, that's the big mountain in Machu Picchu that you see that some people pay extra to hike. When you see those clouds and you see that sun, and, and, and I kind of, you know, again, I think I did a lot more research than most of the people on my trip. It just got emotional when you get up to this space and it's just this gorgeous kind of, you know, when you, you, you have these theatrical movies where they play this music. And in my head, that was that <laughs> kind of, you know, that, that whole episode of just stuff. So I'll never forget that moment. Just, you know, the 20 minutes I think we spent at the, the Sun Gate. I, I would tell your listeners, if they want to do Machu Picchu, do it sooner. And if they're worried about being in shape, there is a new trail being made yes. right now. When I say do it sooner, what we went through, what Gary and I experienced, we, we, I think we went at the right time because there's the Inca Trail. They are now creating another trail that is flatter, that doesn't go up the mountain, doesn't go to the 4,000 feet, kind of just goes directly at Machu Picchu, more at a seven or 8,000 elevation. And it'll be easier for people, but it, it won't have the same experience that what we had. Now, they'll probably still keep the Inca Trail open, though, right? Yeah, okay. but I don't know how that's going to limit people, or does that expand the amount of people there? We, I, I felt, for the trail itself, I never felt crowded. I never felt like we were overwhelmed on the trail. When we got to Machu Picchu, it did feel like you, you see like ants just running, because as you're at the gates that Gary talked about, you look down and you see the people starting to walk up the hill. Mm-hmm. There's, um, there, there's a five-day, um, Salpine, mm-hmm. I think is what it's called, um, and that trail, they tell you, it's it's very it's unusual to see another person. Um, this trail, the Inca Trail, I, I don't I never felt crowded on the trail, but you definitely there's not really too many moments when you're by yourself unless you're out of shape and way in the back. Right. So, <laughs> Scott experienced it the second day, and I experienced the second day going down as well because I was doing a lot. Of I walked with the tour guide up, and he walked with the tour guide yeah, down. I th- I think I was so a couple company. hours. I was a couple hours behind everybody on the way down. Um, but I was doing a lot of just, um, you know, picture taking and setting up for time lapses. And I got some epic, epic time lapses. Now, you, you guys both mentioned you'd like to go back to Peru. Um, if you did go back, where would you go? Rainbow Mountain would be one. That yeah. was a hike. We saw pictures. Yeah. And that, that's a tough hike. Also that, guided, right? Yep. You yeah. can. I think you can do that on your own. You can do too. that on your own. In fact, you can drive up to it. And I think it's only like a, um, a very short hike to the top. But it, it's, and it's drone friendly. Which I found out later. Oh, William told that. me that you could take. He said, "If you you know come back, bring your good drone, and we'll go up to Rainbow Mountain." I mean, it's cool to know we were in the Andes Mountains. Like I, I those are things that I researched after the hike to know that that the mountains was part of the Andes Range yeah. that we were hiking. And it's somebody who's hiked the Smokies like yourself. I mean, you're in different parts and you don't realize. You know, there is the so mountains. much. I, I follow this one guy on um, on YouTube, Van, Brendan Van Salm. He's a, um, a photographer. And I chatted with him a little bit before I went to Peru because he brought his Phantom um, to Peru 
literally like two weeks before we got there. Now, he didn't do the Inca Trail hike. He went to Machu Picchu and he said, hey, you can't have a drone in Machu Picchu. Um, but he, he, he did a full two weeks in Peru. And some of the stuff that he did, just out in the middle of nowhere with just these epic vistas and, and some of the landscapes that he caught, just that's what I would go back to Peru for. If you want more of the city stuff, um, follow, you know, go into Lima. I think Lima was a, Cusco's, Cusco's a pretty good sized city, but Lima definitely is the more modern of the of the two, yeah, but I, I didn't find it. I, I enjoyed Cusco better. Than Cusco, I think Cusco's Lima was fun. not a city that I thought it was going to be so much more. And the tallest building is a hotel in Lima, yeah. <laughs> and that's like the only modern building. And they're really, it just, I mean, it's on the water, which is nice. But it was kind of, it was a great day too. We were only there a day, so I don't really yeah. gave it a, a full look and feel. Any one thing that you guys would do differently if you did it again, which you probably wouldn't, but if you did. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know that there was anything I you think, could have done differently. Well, I think the flight there, the you, flights. Yeah, I mean the time. The flights were tough because we took off at 10 at night at Atlanta yeah. to go down to, to Miami. Miami to take off at 2 a.m. to get to... Go through Columbia where we had an yeah. hour and a half layover to get to Cusco. So we got there at 11.15 in the next morning. That was tough. It was only six hundred and something dollars, so we went right. for a savings there. And then coming back, I mean, the direct to Miami wasn't bad. But I, I think, think I think if you time it right, you can get direct flights from Miami for around eight hundred dollars round trip. Okay. We wound up paying dirt cheap fares, um, mm-hmm. which were very cheap. But it was. Um, but it knocked us out. And I think. I think all, yeah, I think you that were wiped out when you got there. Yeah. That yeah. would be my one thing. Is is you know the time? It's not a, too much of a time difference. Um, what time zone are they on? Are they uh, like uh, it's only one hour behind us? Yeah, They're on the central, central, central time zone. Central time zone. Yeah. Right, but well, we did like a red eye, and it was—I mean, it was a tough red eye too. Yeah, well, it was tough because you're—I mean—you're going to Colombia, where you're sitting around for like an hour and a half in Colombia, yeah. and then go through customs there, and then go into. Yeah, so I, I think if I had to do one thing differently, I think that would be it. As far as the trail or booking or anything of that sort, we stayed. What would do, was it? The Hilton Garden in Cusco we stayed in. Um, no, it was a. Um, it wasn't a hill. Novotel. 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 Yeah. Novotel, Cusco. I would I highly it. recommend that hotel. Great location. Walk uh, fantastic around. Fantastic showers and bathrooms in there. The beds, super, super comfortable. Really centrally located. Well worth any extra money that you're going to pay. And it was only 90 bucks a night. Well, it's European that was, chain, though. Yes. It's yeah. a European yeah. chain. I think so. Morgan and... and, and um, Liz? Liz stayed up at the top of Cusco. And they stayed at the Hilton Garden Inn. They stayed at the Hilton Garden, and it's well outside of the city, uh, up on top of a hill. And so you probably don't want to stay there. Um, again, the Novotel, I think, is perfect, perfect location inside the city. It's right, I think it's like three blocks from the Plaza de Armas. Yeah, it was very close. It was great. Um, and, it's, 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 and the Plaza de Armas is the center of the city. Um, and that's where I got that cool hat. That's where you knocked over the hat stand. No, 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 that was at that was in that was in, in August Machu Picchu. <laughs> yeah. okay. That was after four days. I mean, we're yeah. dirty. And, oh, we're, and we're just walking. She around. was just happy you walked I, out of there. Like, take, just go. Yeah. I mean, it's just you don't under you don't appreciate anything until it's over, and that's the sad thing. Is that for me, I was so stressed about can I make it? Can I do the hike? Can I get through it? That there really wasn't time to really embrace it. Like when you did the Appalachian Trail, I think you had enough time to really. I mean, I'm sure part of you is like, I just want to get this over with to say I completed it. It's the disconnection, though. You can just disconnect and really let your mind go. Yeah, and for us, yeah. I was just like worried about, okay, 
we got another day of no shower and sleeping. Let's get through this. And I don't think I appreciated it during the time. It's like when somebody said, I wish I knew when the good old days were. Well, you know, let's bring that up for the listeners because, I mean, that was the first time you'd ever done a multi-day backpacking. First time I ever camped out without Cub Scouts involved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was the first time. Was that the first time for you, too? It was the first time I ever slept in a tent. Okay. Yeah. First, you didn't even like car camping in a I state park. Never did. Oh camping. my god! Wow, so I, did, I did not know. That there was, you go, listeners. There's was, your encouragement right there. Yeah, if he could do that, and and, and I had, I and had, he's a germaphobe. Well, I, and I'm a germaphobe, but I also had <laughs> with, some with, uh, the, with the apricots scrub. I, I had scrub. some Advil PM kind of stuff that that I took at night to sleep. Yeah. And I slept really well and didn't wake up very. I woke up sore, so I had Advil and stuff, but. That was the first time I ever slept in a tent. So and no critters keeping you up. Uh, no, no uh, interesting wildlife. Really, you, Gary stayed up and watched the stars. You, you yeah. have more to talk. I literally hit the went to bed and I was exhausted. Um, the 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 first night I stayed up, I did. We went. I went to a little party. They, they, it was Independence Day, mm-hmm. so I it was so loud I couldn't fall asleep. So I walked with one of the porters up just you know a little bit, and we went to this church, and they were the locals were partying. Then um, the second night. I stayed up and I did a star lapse, time lapse for an hour. I was freezing my balls off that night. <laughs> um, and I climbed into the tent. The third night um, was the worst campsite by far. Um, and we didn't have a very good spot. And so there was really nothing to do. So I just immediately went to bed. But you had to wake up at 3 in the morning to hike with your headlamp on. That last day. And that last day, I mean, just it can't be overstated. You need a headlamp if you go on this. Absolutely 100%. You brought it around? Yeah. Yeah. Do not bring a flashlight. Buy a headlamp off of uh, Amazon for for 10, 15 bucks. Because that last night, 3.30 in the morning, you're getting up. You're on the side of a mountain. And you're hiking for a good three, four hours prior to the sunrise. With yeah. a brutal cliff to your With the side brutal, left. The cliff and is the steps on your right, the yeah. cliff is on your left. You go up these things called the monkey stairs, which they call the gringo killers. And it's about 50 to 80 stairs up. And like you're literally on all, on all fours, hiking up. And you don't want to go up these monkey stairs with a freaking flashlight in your hand. Yeah, because you, if you fall backwards, you're going off the mountain. Well, you know, I had the question on there, and I didn't ask it earlier when I meant to. I mean, are there? I mean, like the danger factor here. Like, I will tell you that I don't understand. Luckily, none of us, none of our group got hurt. I mean, my I think a lot of people turn ankles. And yeah, I did. I turned ankles and stuff. And yeah, um, I, nobody got hurt. I would say on a danger rating, like ten would the be the opportunity was up there. Ten would be like um, jumpsuit flying or those wingsuit things, and, and one would be like Disneyland. Um, <laughs> you know, small world after all. I'd say this is probably a six as far as danger goes. I would have said a seven. Wow, yeah. that's higher than I would have thought. Actually, I, I was I thinking you were going to come in in the because middle. You're on the edge. I mean, there's just so many areas that minor things could happen. Now, yes, like I just you could like little things like slip off a cliff or trip or well, I mean, go down the stairs. I literally had moments where I thought I was done. And, I mean, and, and there's no getting out. You're walking. Yeah. So if somebody there's gets no hurt, heli- there's, there's no, no helicopter up. There's no. none of that. I mean, you're you're screwed. You you got a bone sticking out. They're gonna figure out a way to like carry yeah. you down. So they got to carry you out. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes. And it's so, and not and it's not a short carry either. It's not no. like hey, get us to the main road. And I gotta tell you, I don't even know if I'd want to be carried because the oh, drops and, so and yeah, you oh. would be in so much pain. Yeah. Um, 
So yeah, I, I I mean they had first aid carried with us every time. The the porters carried a whole giant first aid kit, which we didn't need, but they offered it to us. They would they would check with us, are you sick? Because they all you have yeah. the altitude sickness to deal with, which can can screw with your mind definitely. And then you've got the how your body relates to the food, the altitude, just your overall health. Are you in shape? And you know your, your muscles walking. hurt. Yeah. And it, don't get me wrong. This is not like running a marathon. This is not like doing an Ironman. You have to be in decent shape to do it. Scott Scott was in pretty good shape, and he, he you know he he does. Scott's got. This I was thing. the worst shape of anyone. Well, yeah, but you've got this thing where you need to make it from point A to point B, and nothing's going to stop you from getting to point B. Um, you know that that's what Scott has. I don't have that. If I don't get to point B, I'm fine with it. I don't care. It doesn't matter. But I knew that I needed to be in good enough shape so that I could get... Well, and he also didn't have a choice. This isn't like, hey, let's, right. I'm going to turn back and go back. We, no. we started at point A and you had to get to point B because it wasn't like, you know, I could just turn around and go back. It was like you had, like, there was no stopping. Yeah. So, yeah. so I was worried about holding other people up. Because the, third, I, the third day was the toughest for me with the, the, the length of it. That was tough. So to end on a positive note, if yeah. you could say one sentence about why... The listeners should do Machu Picchu. What would you say? I like Gary the first one. This one. It's one of the seven wonders of the world. I mean, it, it truly. When, when I research that, and and you see these pictures, and and what's funny is Steve Scornia brought us a National Geographic. He visited us early in July, right before we left for the trip, and he was in the airport and he saw National Geographic, and on the front cover of National Geographic was Machu Picchu, and he bought both of us the magazine. Oh, I saw your picture. That I was cool. Still got yeah, that yeah. magazine. That's going to be the that's going to be the cover shot for the podcast, yeah. by the way. And it's it, it's great. That I, is awesome. I got that, that was perfect that picture. That was well done. And what's amazing is, as beautiful as that picture is, it doesn't even compare to real life. Yeah, the fact that you know there's a a virtual reality of Machu Picchu coming out by these YouTubers called the Vagabond Brothers, and they travel the world and they just got a permit to do virtual reality, and I was looking at some of the photos and some of the footage that they had, and having just been there, even that doesn't do it justice. It's just this this epic, you know. You look to your left and you see the side of a mountain. You look to you're straight ahead of you, and you see this um, Huanu Picchu with the city of Machu Picchu right in front of you. And you look to your right, and there's four or five mountain ranges that you just came over, and that's it. It's not there's there's like people around you at this sun gate and stuff, and you can see a little bit of buses down below, but you don't see a city. You don't see anything. It's just if if I can tell your listeners one thing. You, you're not prepared for how gorgeous it is. So the, the, I didn't see that coming, actually. I didn't realize you had the views that you do. But oh. that was about 70 cents, by the way. Yeah. One sentence. Why? Why the the experience. I mean, it is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. And anyone that's ever done it will always remember it and always talk about it. But well stated, by the way, drum boy. <laughs> yeah, true or false, right? It's both. Well, guys, thank you for uh, thank you for the in depth look at Machu Picchu. You've encouraged me, but now I can't go with you because you've already gone. But uh, well, let us know if there's pictures or stuff that we can share. And, and uh, it was really an unbelievable. Well, experience. what we'll do is I'll I'll definitely grab some pictures for you. I'll put them in a photo gallery and I'll put a link on the site from the podcast. So we'll definitely. And I'll it. have a video up at some point in time of all this stuff. I've got some raw footage of my time lapses and stuff up on YouTube, and I'll put. I'm going to edit it together hopefully this week. That's awesome. I will definitely hook you up with uh, some links. Yeah.
Well, thanks for having us, Steve. Well, we gentlemen, thank you for uh, and for hosting uh, this evening in your basement. <laughs> no, hey, it's great. anytime. Shangri-La. This was fun. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, this isn't the, the last time that we're part of this broadcast. <laughs> and for the listeners that uh, don't realize that there's a YouTube video, the, the man that's like hidden from view, <laughs> he gets in there every now. I, I, I'm like the Wilson on Home Improvement. Yeah, I like he to just keep my head over the fence. Yeah, exactly, at the top of my head. So it's all good. But thank you very much. And uh, listeners, go go to Machu Picchu. You'll enjoy it. Yeah, we'll leave. I'll give you some links to the company that we use and stuff like that. But again, find an outfitter that won't give you thirty people on your tour. Specifically, I chose this tour company because we had a small group, and it was good. The larger groups, I talked to some of the people on the tour. The larger groups just didn't have as much fun. Okay, it's not that they didn't have fun; they just didn't have as much fun. A hot tip for you, there, listeners. Well, guys, thanks again for being on the show. And um, thanks for having us. You have inspired me to do Machu Picchu. Uh, hopefully. So the clock's ticking. Right now. <laughs> it's ticking, all right. They'll need to carry you like the Czech woman. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> well, that's a wrap, gentlemen. Thanks, Steve. Thank you for listening to the Into Backpacking Podcast. This is your host, Bird Shooter, wishing you the best for your travels on the trail. To subscribe to this show, visit iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or your favorite podcast app. And give us a thumbs up or a positive comment while you're there. You can also download shows directly from intobackpacking.com. Just click the podcast tab on the main menu. Music for this show was provided by Jarrus under a Creative Commons license and is titled Hillbilly Anarchy. This show is a production of N2 Backpacking and is copyrighted by N2 Ventures Inc. For more information on this podcast or to provide feedback or comments on this or future shows, please visit us at N2Backpacking.com. That's the letter N, the number two, backpacking.com.